Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Hey there, Hill folk, and welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Intelligence. We are extremely, extremely grateful that y'all can join us again for another week for another edition of AI. With you tonight, your hosts, Justin and Ryan, Lance is uh, roaming around out there in the ether somewhere. Um, you guys know how he is. He's like a ninja. He pops in and out. But when he's here, it's interesting. That's why we and keep Somehow he'll get right in on the conversation like he was here the whole time. I think he's Everything got Everything he'll talk about will make sense. And I think he has ESPN or something. Yeah, he's got something like that. Well, let's go through ESPN the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. ESPN, the Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's go through the business here really quickly. You guys know where you can find us. You can check out all, all, all of our socials. Wow, I got tongue-tied there. Those are listed in the show notes, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, all the stuff. You guys know where to find us. Uh, be sure to leave those five-star ratings and reviews. They help out the algorithm tremendously. Jump us up there to the top when you're looking for weird Appalachia, along with the guests that we've got here today. We'll get to them in just a moment. Uh, send us your stories at Appalachian Intelligence at gmail.com and whatever you want to send us comments, concerns, questions, encounters, videos, pictures, whatever you want to send that can all come to the email. Um, be sure, be sure to get your tickets for the Fortean Airwaves Ultimate podcast conference in ada ohio october the 6th 7th and 8th it's 50 bucks for the whole weekend you've got us you've got uncomfortable you've got cryptids of the corn you've got hollow sky you've got kill the mockingbirds and you got the bump podcast all there together for that it's going to be a really really great weekend all hanging out together um podcast panels q a live shows it's going to be a lot of fun so there's limited availability for that, be sure to get your tickets soon and come hang out with us that weekend. But fortunately for you Hill folk tonight, that's all the business. That's all the business. We ran through really, really quickly. But you know what we like to do with these five-star reviews? When we get them, 
When we get the love, we like to show the love back out. So this week's five-star review comes from Old Man Coyote Face. I like the name a lot. great name. Old Man Coyote Face says (laughs) five stars. Love these guys. My grandma and grandpa's inside toilet was a chair grandpa cut a hole in and put a bucket underneath. That was in the 80s and 90s. These guys get it. I absolutely loved the Granny Witch episode. Keep them coming. So, old man Coyote Face, we really, really appreciate that five-star review. And we do get it, man. We do. Yeah, I, that I, toilet I, sounds amazing. <laughs> super comfy. I use now. I bet you didn't get hemorrhoids on that toilet. No. no that's, as long as you want. <laughs> it's just totally comfortable. Yeah. Totally comfortable. Just okay. Scroll, baby. So fortunately for you, Hill folk tonight, it's not just me and Ryan and Lance that you guys got to deal with. I know, again, like we say, it get, that gets a little testy sometimes. We have a couple really, really awesome guests with us tonight. These two are boots on the ground investigators of the highly strange. They're deep, dark diving researchers and documentarians of dogmen, the demonic, and other interdimensional deities. Hell bent on hashing out the haints in the hills and hollers of home sweet home Appalachia. Joining us tonight, we have Jesse and Joe of Hellbent Holler. Guys, how are y'all doing tonight? Well, I really appreciate the massive amount of alliteration you just did. <laughs> um, if you're familiar with any of our stuff, you know that I love alliteration. That's the quickest way to my heart. Um, I just hope that we can do justice to the show and um, do justice to old man coyote face <laughs> and that he enjoys the show tonight. Yeah. Well, I'm sure old man coyote face is going to love it. I'm sure he's going <laughs> to love it for you, buddy. <laughs> but no, while uh, just jumping in here, why don't you guys for any of the hill folk out here, our audience that that don't recognize you or know who you guys are. Um, why don't you give a little, introduction tell a little bit about yourselves and what you guys do and where the folks can find you absolutely um my name is jesse this is my husband and partner joe we are field investigators but mostly um when it comes to zoology and the paranormal we look into more stuff than just bigfoot but lately we've been really on a bigfoot kick We've investigated everything from Dogman to Appalachian mountain cults in the North Georgia woods and mountains. Um, but we take a very, very tech-heavy approach with what we do. We have the latest technology. We carry everything out in the woods, and it's just us two that do it. Um, we film everything we do, so we also carry out all of our camera equipment and we feature our paranormal documentaries that we film out in the middle of the woods on our YouTube channel, Hellbent Holler. I do all of the editing and graphic design for the channel, and Joe is my masterful equipment tech <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a live stream that we do on Mondays on our channel at 7.30 Eastern Time. Um, but mostly we do, um, you know, live, not live investigation, mostly we do investigations out in the woods and put those out. And I've been putting those out pretty much pretty consistently about yeah, weekly. Almost weekly now. now. Yeah. 
Um, we've been on a serious Bigfoot kick lately. So we've been getting a lot of evidence and a lot of crazy stuff happening. Um, we go out just us two, and it seems like we get a lot of evidence because of that. Mm -hmm. And you can actually see a lot of that stuff on our channel, Hellbent Holler on YouTube. Yeah. Like I said earlier, pre-recording, you know, I've been, a have been a pretty big fan for quite a few months now. Um, checking out your guys' videos and the the work that you're putting out. And I, I have to say, if you're looking for evidence of the paranormal, the supernatural, this is the channel to check out, guys, for real. I mean, it, they're finding – they're documenting legit evidence of the things that they're searching for and sometimes things that they're not particularly searching for. <laughs> we stumble it's, into some weird stuff sometimes. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's the truth. So I think a lot of that comes from it just being the two of us doing mm -hmm. this, that we don't really have a team. We don't have a large group of people that we go out with. It's just us um, in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the night, far back in the woods and some pretty sketchy and dangerous areas so it seems like whatever is out there going bump in the night seems to come alive because it's just the two of us. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, that's the way to do it, right? Like that's, it kills me a lot of times when you have and, and not trying to single out any particular groups or anything, but when you have these gigantic teams yeah. that head out into the woods, say to, you know, to, to hunt for Bigfoot, and the first thing they do when they get out there is start beating on trees, start wood knocking, start whooping, start doing all of this stuff. I mean, look, all of these boys and, and myself, we've hunted all of our lives. Yeah. If you're hunting, that's not what you do. You go find a spot, you set up, you try to hide yourself as much as possible. And I know when you have equipment and, mm -hmm. and the cameras mm -hmm. and all that different stuff, it's, it's a little harder to do that. But the way that you guys saying all that, I'm come my point being the way that you guys do it, it, it's the right way. It's just the two of you. You're going in there, you know, trying to be stealthy, trying to, you know, even, when you're talking to the camera or amongst each other, a lot of times it's in hushed tones to where, you know, these things, you, you have a chance of gaining and acquiring evidence because of the way that you're carrying your investigation. And I appreciate that. And I'm sure, you know, that's why you guys have blown up the way that you're blowing up is because of the way that you carry out these investigations. Um, I like to think that my videos are more intimate, that it really it really brings everybody in my audience along on the journey with us, that it's very intimate. Um, it's it's even though we're in the middle of these wide open spaces, it's almost claustrophobic in a way. But we try to be very intimate with our audiences and really bring them along for the journey when we do this. I, I like to say all the time that, you know, when it comes to those big groups and banging on trees, it, there's. I did tree knocking in my last video. First time we've had a successful tree knock. First time I've ever had a successful tree knocking. Because we always make fun of the tree knocking stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, we make fun of it because it's like for years and years and years, you've had these people who uh, knock on, bang on trees and howl at the moon. All they end up with is just another campfire story. And I think that we take a novel approach to it, that we actually go into the environment where these things are and go looking for 
them. Um, and I, what the great equalizer is, is the technology that we use. We have probably the best tech loadout of any group that is doing this kind of work. And that includes groups that are funded by TV networks. We're completely self-funded, but we are constantly looking for that new piece of gear to gather that piece of data that could be the difference between knowing these things are real and not knowing these things are real. Yeah, a lot of times it's almost like we're chasing the phenomena with technology. Uh, we'll go out and we'll have something happen. The most frustrating thing in the world is we filming yourself out doing this. And it's just one of those, did you hear that? And nobody can hear it except for the two people that are there. Yeah. So we're constantly kind of going after whatever tech we can get to try to, like Jesse said, to try to advance this beyond just campfire stories at this point. Um, that's, you know, we'll go out, we'll hear, we heard like faux speech, that samurai chatter type stuff that Ron Moore had recorded, but it was very faint, kind of high pitched one night while our action cams couldn't pick it up. So then we built a parabolic dish loadout at that point. So a lot of this equipment has, has come about because we'll experience stuff and be unable to document it at that point. So we go back kind of like, you know, regroup, what could we have used to have documented that? And then we're on to the next piece of equipment at that point. So um, we don't carry everything out. A lot of times it's a guessing game and sometimes we guess wrong. <laughs> sometimes we'll we'll be out going, where's the this? Oh, it's back in the car. We didn't bring it. Damn it. Because we have to carry yeah. everything out. And in addition, because sometimes we hike 10 miles to wherever we're going to investigate. Um, so these are long treks. We have to be able to carry whatever we're taking out as our research equipment. We have to be able to take it all out with us. Oh, food, water, first aid. In addition so, to, yeah. yeah, in addition to our hiking gear that you need to basically go out there anyway. Uh, you know, emergency food, all our water or our, our water filtration systems, um, extra battery packs. That's another big thing that um, you'll see a lot of researchers who claim they go out into the woods and then you ask them, how are you charging your equipment? Oh, well, I'm not really charging my equipment. Okay. Our batteries go dead constantly. So yeah. you have to constantly be charging all of this stuff. So not only the data collection equipment that goes through batteries and all of that, but we're actually documenting what we're doing. So our camera equipment and then the batteries required to run that to actually try to get video evidence of what's going on out there. It, there's a lot of plates that are spinning when it comes to this kind of thing. And it sucks that there's only two of us, yeah. but that seems to be kind of a magic formula with it that we have a lot of, we have a lot of success with it just being the two of us. So we have to kind of adapt our approach and just do the best we can with what we have. Yeah. We've taken other people out with us before and We've experienced stuff, but it does seem like the more people you take out, the less likely it is for you to actually encounter activity at that point. And, you know, that seems to be a trend with almost every phenomenon out there. John Keel used to talk about that as far as UFO stuff back when he was, you know, writing all of his books that it seemed like UFO phenomenon mostly came about in areas that were very sparsely populated during the time frame of the night where most people were asleep. And that seems to hold true for everything that we kind of go out and encounter at this point. We get most of our activity in the middle of the night. We get most of it when there's just two of us at that point. So. And it seems like we get a lot of activity when we're taking a more kinetic approach to what we're doing. We've done investigations before where we basically do kind of a stakeout situation where we set up the parabolic. We set up our night vision camera. We set up our thermal uh, monocular camera and we'll put it all on tripods and have it all kind of as a observation station set up. We've done that several times and we just don't get a lot of, you know, a lot of activity when we do that. It seems like the activity really ramps up 
when we have everything, we're kind of just moving through the woods and moving through the environment. That seems like when it, it kind of stirs up the yeah. activity in a way. Yeah, we're not sure whether we're making it curious or ticking it off or what we're yeah. doing, but um, we'll set up for like stationary stuff and be out there for hours and then not have anything happen. And we're just like, screw it. Let's, let's, let's get let's, moving. Let's break the brush and just get in there. And we'll get in there. And that's when you really start to see stuff happen at that point. Um, and again, we've, we've talked about that because it'd be so much easier if we could just set up like a base camp and not yeah. have to hike all this stuff through the woods. I'd love that. Yeah, exactly. It would be a lot happier <laughs> if we could do that because you hike it out, you got to hike it back. So like she said, if we're out like eight, 10 miles, well, that's an eight or 10 mile hike. We got to get back to the vehicle yeah. when it's all said and done. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's we try to take a real novel approach to a lot of this stuff. Like you mentioned, there's, there's enough people out there banging on trees and howling at the moon, man. I mean- we don't even really cast footprints anymore. There's enough people doing that. Um, In our last couple of videos, we've come across some really amazing footprints. And our comment section is just chock full of people saying, why didn't you cast this? Why didn't you cast this? Because I don't want to. Because yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, another, if you can have the best cast footprint in the world, it's not going to move the needle anymore. Anybody yeah. that's going to be convinced from cast footprints, you know, there's that was years ago. There's thousands of cast footprints out there at this point. You go to any yeah. convention and they're selling tables full of them. You yeah. Know? So what we try to do is, is we try to take a novel approach with a lot of this stuff and try stuff that maybe other people aren't trying. Um, we do infrasound experiments, you know, infrasound's one of those Bigfoot tropes you always hear about, you know, we were like, well, Hey, let's look into that a little bit. Let's see if there's something there. We go really heavy on thermal imaging technology. Um, parabolics. We're really heavy on digital audio recorders. Um, just a whole array of stuff that we take out there, but we kind of shy away from that traditional like Bigfooter approach at that point. I mean, we've got casting material around here somewhere. I don't even know where it's at. I haven't even seen it in months. You but know? in order to take enough casting material to cast these prints, it's it's got to be just pounds and pounds of that. That's more weight on your back. And then you got to have water to do it. And man. we barely so, have yeah. enough water right. for us to drink yeah. to survive in the woods sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's just a, it's a losing game. So we try to get the best photographs and footage as we can. And then we just keep moving. Yeah, because it will find prints. And if they're fresh... Casting is the last thing on our minds. We want to follow the prints to see where they go to at yeah. that yeah. point. We don't want to huddle around this print. And a lot of people, it's almost like, you know, that's the trophy to come back with like a really, you know, cool cast print. And that's great. And if that's what you're into. I think I'd rather come back with footage probably, of the creature. Yeah, you know, or, or have an experience that maybe furthers our own knowledge. Yeah. So, you know, and that, a lot of that, a lot of this is to share what we experience. But a lot of this is kind of a, sounds cheesy, but kind of like a personal journey. You hear all of this stuff that gets repeated over and over and over again. Um, just, you know, all of these like Bigfoot tropes, I call them. Uh, and I'm like, well, how do you know that? Well, it's because you heard it from somebody else. You know, our thing is, is get out and just build our own knowledge base. Get out there, experience the stuff for ourselves. Uh, we're all about data collection. Um, I started out as like a real flesh and blood Bigfoot guy. I thought it was a, an ape just running around in the woods. And that's evolved a great deal over time as I've had personal experiences out there. Um, and that's what we're kind of after is we're just kind of, even if nobody believes anything we find or anything like that, at least we know we've got a better understanding of what's out there in the woods. Yeah. Well, that's the question. Like I always like to ask guests that we have come on and we get to talk Bigfoot. Uh, we all three have our theories on different things and mine's constantly evolving. I started mm -hmm. off this pretty much my most majority of my life thinking that Bigfoot was just not like a real thing at all. Um, mm -hmm. and because there's been so many 
times in which like it's just there's evidence sure yeah but there's never been a body right i was so big for the longest time like i need to see a body i need to be able to see a picture of it or put my hands on it before i'm going to believe it and then as i've done some hunting myself and as we've had this podcast and i've had more and more conversations my thoughts on bigfoot have evolved greatly okay Mm -hmm. so the question that i always like to ask because these guys are were much more of a believer in bigfoot than i was at first now i'm i'm 100% 100% in, but what do you think if you were once a flesh and blood creature? What do you, what, what's your theory if you can put a couple of words on it or, or even go on hold, hold the high trial? We don't care, but what's your, what's your all theory on what Bigfoot is? I don't think there's a way that you can kind of wrap it up uh, and put a bow on it right now. And I think that it's constantly evolving as we get more information. But, um, you know, I, I like to make the analogy of, there's this huge puzzle and we don't even have a portion of a piece right now. We just, we're just with all the data, all the stories, all the information we have now is still just not enough to really form a solid opinion or theory on what it is, because you have so much variation in the descriptions of the physicality, um, the, the, the behavior, uh, the abilities You've got self-illuminating eyes with some. You've got some that seem like they just disappear into nothingness, not that they run away, but that they just, they're there and then poof, they're gone. And then you have some that seem to behave like a natural animal out in the woods. So there's just such a, um, there's just so much variety in the description of these things that you can't really put a pin in it, in my opinion. What what is your- Yeah, I just, and and you guys will see tonight that Jesse and I, what's, really good about our approach with Helvet Holler is that a, she and I take pretty different approaches and a lot of stuff. We don't agree on everything. No. You know what I'm saying? So we sometimes have completely polar opposite opinions on stuff. So we're not just in lockstep. I think that's one of those things about these larger groups in order to be a part of them, you kind of have to adopt that group mentality and that kind of stifles any sort of originality, any new approaches or anything like that. Well, she and I are complete polar opposites on a lot of stuff. Um, as far as like what Bigfoot is, I started out as a, I had a sighting as a kid of something. I'm still not sure what it was, but Bigfoot's the closest thing that you could put to it. And for years, I didn't know if I was being hoaxed, if I dreamed it, you know, or what, but it just, it stuck with me. So later on, I started getting into like Bigfoot research, just, you know, and I, you know, lived in Georgia at the time, then I moved down to Louisiana, um, always involved with it, never really had anything happen. But at the time, I just, I would have sworn that it was just a, it was an undiscovered ape running around the woods, you know, and I could make all the arguments about why is there no body? Well, you barely find bear skeletons and it came across the Bering Land Sea Bridge and just all of that stuff. You know, it's probably a variation of Gigantopithecus. And then we started doing this and my opinions evolved a lot over time. Um, And it's gotten weird. (laughs) It's gotten really weird. Um, as far as what Bigfoot is, my current my current train of thought is is that I don't think there's any one entity that fills all of these stories that you hear in all of these accounts. Um, I think there's a really good chance that what people are lumping together as Bigfoot might be a couple of different things. Um, it's one of the things that's kind of really I've evolved over the last few years is we make a lot of comparisons to physical cryptozoology and the UAP phenomenon right now. Not that I'm saying that these things are getting out of like spaceships or anything like that, but just the way that the the phenomenon has evolved, the way the understanding has evolved with it, and the way that the public kind of just discourse over it has kind of evolved over time. Um, If you look at 
UFOs, like, you know, as close as like 10 years ago, that was still crazy talk. You know, did you ever think that you were going to see congressional hearings, congressional <laughs> hearings, you know, that weren't anything other than, hey, you know, another version of like Blue Book telling you why you're crazy for thinking this. Now you've got people in the media and politics and science that are taking the subject really seriously. And it turns out that a lot of those people that were made to feel crazy for all these years were telling the truth all along. You know, I make a lot of parallels between this and what you see in like physical cryptozoology. Um, for so long in the Bigfoot community, if you had just a roadside crossing or you came upon it and it's eating berries or whatever, and then it ran into the brush, you kind of accepted. Uh, for those people that have those weirder accounts, you're kind of shoved out into that woo corner at this point. You're not taken very seriously. I know that the BFRO, mm -hmm. they they throw out a lot of reports that don't really fit their narrative. Um, yeah. So you have so many reports that are just lost to time at this point because maybe somebody saw an orb or maybe it behaved a certain way or maybe somebody saw it in conjunction with a UAP or a UFO. So there's so much data that is just not there anymore. Yeah, and it's if bad you, data at this if point. If you have so, junk yeah. in, you junk out. I mean, that's just how it is. And I just, I think that their data is bad at this point because they are so set to a narrative. And there's so many people involved in this that their minds are just so completely closed down to the possibilities that it could be something beyond a monkey in the woods that they, they've crippled themselves. Well, I think the fact that kind of what I was touching upon before, that there might very well be different entities that were all lumping under that Bigfoot umbrella. And I think that causes a lot of the division when people discuss this stuff, because one person will go, what I saw looked like and behaved like a large ape. There was nothing strange or mystical or supernatural about it at all. And then one person goes, well, what I saw, you know, I experienced mind speak or, you know, it cloaked or any of the, you know, the more fantastic kind of elements you hear about it. And they each look at each other and they go, you're lying because your case and your encounter does not match up with what I personally experienced. I, the two are not mutually exclusive. I, I think this person, a friend of ours that we know from West Virginia had a sighting of two or three. They were eating berries and they went into the woods and he was like, there was nothing supernatural about them at all. Other people that we know have had stranger kind of encounters with them at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, a friend of ours um, has friends who saw one, has seen, their friends have seen multiple of them, where they're wearing skull masks yeah exactly <laughs> well i was gonna touch upon that later because they've actually got an episode with the antler oh, creatures okay. so you yeah, know but uh yeah but so if you if you ask me what i think it is i'm a i the the best answer i've got for it right now is up until 10 years ago a lot of the topic with the ufo a lot of that discussion was these are physical craft coming from another planet trends you know traveling through space they're entering our atmosphere they're landing physical creatures are getting out and now if you look at the people that are probably have the best grip on what's going on they're leaning towards more of an interdimensional or ultra terrestrial kind of like explanation that these things might not be from zeta reticula or something like that they might be from just another dimension that coincides with our own you've got something in the sky that seems to come from somewhere else it's here for a while it does its thing and then it goes somewhere else and i see a lot of parallels between that and the stuff that's going on on the ground we've got mm -hmm. these huge Hairy hominids that are all of a sudden people are seeing, well, where'd they come from and where did they go to? I don't know. But it seems like they're not here all the time. You find like traces like the Olympic Project finding those nests, you know, out west and everything like that. You find a little bit of traces, but they're seen in every state. 
at this point, you know, and the sightings, the amount of sightings are insane. They're insane. The amount of people that contact us, good, credible people that don't seem like they're lying. If the population density is that big and it was just a normal creature, we would have found it. Yeah. Um, and you have to look or at somebody it. would have photographed something. Yeah. There would have, there would have been tangible evidence. And, and you look at it and it's just that it's, you have to, if you're honest about this subject, a lot of the skeptics arguments, they're just nitpicking, you know, but some of the arguments they make have carry some weight, you know, and you can't dismiss those. Why are there no bodies at all this point? I always talk about if there's as many of them as there seems to be given just the amount of accounts that are out there. Um, like we mentioned before we got on show, almost everybody you know has had an encounter with something weird. And a large portion of those are Bigfoot sightings, you know, Bigfoot encounters. If there's that many of them, where's the dumb ones at? You know, where's that one that's a risk taker that just jumped in front of that semi a little bit too slow? Um, it's like if they are biological creatures, they're more like ants than anything else because they have like a hive mind. They all follow the same rules. Not one of them wanders off and gets sick and dies. You know, where are those outliers at? And you don't seem to see those anywhere, you know. And if those are occurring, then they're being covered up. And it's a pretty damn extensive cover up if it's just successful 100% of the time like that. If there's a cover up to that degree going on, why are we covering it up if it's just an ape? So the more time I spend with this, and that's not even counting our personal experiences (laughs) out in the woods. I mean, we're in an area in the dark corner of South Carolina right now where we just, and this is just fairly recently over the past month or so. I mean, I, I watched something, I guess, disappear. I don't know, man. I saw the outline of something that was about six to seven feet tall with amberish red eyes. It was there and then it wasn't there. And I can't explain to you how it disappeared. I can't tell you that it vanished. I can't tell you that it just dropped down on all fours. Just I can't there tell you. and then not. It's almost like I was, it, like I told Jesse when we got out, I said, it's almost like I've missing two seconds worth of time that I hmm. can't explain to you how we got from point A to point B. I'm not sure how that happened. And we talked about that in one of our live streams. I'm going, I'm, I'm having trouble coming to grips with that. I'm not sure that's what happened. Maybe I was just so shocked at what I saw. That was just a biological, maybe time sped up for a second for me. You know, you hear stress-induced time dilation and time acceleration. Maybe that happened to me. Or something like that. You know? We've ran into some crazy stuff and we've been shocked into the woods before. Mm-hmm. That's never happened. Um, but what I had happened was it seemed like it just seemed like all of a sudden I'm going, wait, how did I get to this point? If that's what happened, that's not a natural creature. You know, all of a sudden now, some of those crazier stories that I've like kind of poo-pooed all these years, they make a little bit more sense at this point. They deserve a second look. Yeah, they deserve they at least deserve a second look at it. So so yeah, that's, a long, that's a real long way to answer about saying we don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's that's, awesome. that's, that's a fantastic, great that's fantastic a great answer. answer. Let me ask you this question then. We've brought up a couple of times now the congressional hearings of, of UAPs and UFOs and how 10 years ago that was totally taboo to even talk about, right? If you, if you mentioned UFOs or aliens or whatever, like, yeah, there were people who had these experiences, and then, but it was not really a, a common uh, thought amongst the general populace, right? Now, we've obviously in the last two years, this has become a much more common thing we talk about, right? We pretty much all now have, like I've had, I've never had a, a UFO experience. And then in the last two years, me and my wife have had several yep. and it becomes a more, it's become more and more of a prevalent thing. And obviously there's been quite a bit of governmental evidence that's being kept somewhere. Right. And we're starting to see some of this stuff kind of come to light more and more and more as more and more people are having these experiences and we're talking about it more. That being said, 
do you think, because you mentioned where's the, where's the dumb Bigfoot that's, or the sick Bigfoot or the outlier, if that's a cover up, do you think there is a trove of information that the government has that they're just simply keeping from general people because they don't want us to know what this thing actually is? Do you think in 10 more years, is there going to be a congressional hearing about certain cryptids and Bigfoot especially? I think it's going to be longer than 10 years. But um, I think we're moving in that but direction. I think, yeah, yeah, I think look how long it took, uh, you know, f- from the point of, say, Roswell to where we're at now. I mean, it's we're not looking at 10 years. We're looking at a long time. And this is something that the the powers that be have been looking at pretty intensely. And there's also there are motivations when it comes to UAPs that are. With, you know, with the defense industry and all of that. So you're going to have a lot more people, a lot, lot more people looking at that in that kind of way. But I just don't see them looking at Sasquatch in that way, unless it's Sasquatch is completely something that is something completely different. You yeah. Know? I mean, I get, we, we talked about this this past week and that as far as like the government knowing like what's going on with like cryptids, let's just call them. Um, people always go, well, they couldn't admit that Bigfoot, is real because it would kill the logging industry. Well, I mean, the government's got a lot of like hardcore environmentalists in it right now. They would love to kill. They would love to kill the logging industry. You know what I'm saying? And so I think if they had that, there'd be a big portion of the population going, if we could just come out about these creatures living in the woods that are endangered, we can, you know, stop a lot of this deforestation and Mm -hmm. everything like that. So that water, that argument doesn't hold water for me anymore as far as that goes. But we were, we were never really UFO people. You know what I'm saying? You know, she was into the paranormal and I was into Bigfoot and that's how this kind of started. We were blending those two uh, kind of like pursuits together, but UFOs never really figured the equation for either one of us at this point until we started to go out and we started to experience these weird lights and like the woods for ourselves. And then when we dipped our toes into the dogman waters And we did that kind of jokingly, thinking that it was the most absurd topic in the world. And then we we realized that there's something to it. So one of the things that doesn't really catch a lot of like airplay nowadays is everybody's familiar with that first book that George Knapp brought out, you know, uh, Hunt the Skinwalker that really kind of introduced Skinwalker Ranch to everybody. Well, you know, he did a follow up one called Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, which talks about, um, OSAP, ATIP, you know, the original government groups that kind of followed up after Project Blue Book to kind of look into this phenomenon and how they were, you know, out at Skinwalker Ranch looking into this stuff. Well, there's several accounts in there of these people, you know, government intelligence agents, government contractors that went out to Skinwalker Ranch. And then once they left, they started having encounters of large upright wolves, basically. One guy, you know, was in suburban DC and his wife was calling him up, flipping out because they were seeing a werewolf in their backyard of that. And that's the origination of the popular phrase, the hitchhiker effect that's yeah. going everywhere right now. Everybody's talking about the hitchhiker effect. Um, and that's where that really became famous is that book, uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. But these guys are the ones who they're credible enough to move the public needle on UFOs. Okay. They're the people that get trotted out onto CNN and Fox news and everything like that. And they sit there and talk about their personal experiences and they have a government pedigree they seem like they would be very good witnesses, and they they are very good witnesses. They're believable enough that they can make the population take a topic like UFOs, which 10 years ago was just crazy talk, and now it's plausible. So if they're plausible enough, we're going to believe them about one weird thing that happened. We've got to believe them about the other weird thing that happened, too. They're not just going to start lying about these like upright 
wolves that they're experiencing. Now, are these flesh and blood creatures? Is it like a mental thing? You know, is it is it something like more intangible, interdimensional, whatever? I don't know. But these same people are reporting weird stuff on the ground. So if those things are occurring kind of hand in hand and the government does have any knowledge about UFOs or UIPs, whatever you want to call them, it stands to reason that they've got some information on physical, again, cryptids, entities on the ground that they're not sharing with us. They may not know what the hell they are. They may not know where they come from. They may not be able to control them, but they probably know a little bit about it that they're not sharing because it's a it's a different level of severity for the, the general population. It's one thing to stand in your backyard and see weird lights in the sky, you know, and then they go away and it's interesting and it's kind of scary. But to admit that there's Bigfoot, Dogman, any of the other weirder stuff, and they are real and they're out there. And even if they're not taking people, that all of a sudden, you know, one of the things that struck me about the UFO kind of slow road disclosure that we're in right now Nobody cares. You know, I mean, people are interested in it, but one of the arguments has always been like if if the government came out and said it, it would cause panic. Well, for for lack of a better term, they've come out and admitted it at this point, you know, short of like wheeling a saucer out on the nightly news and showing you the bodies. They've done everything they have to go. Yeah, there's something going on. Nobody cares. Nobody bats an eye. Nobody bats an eye. You still got to, yeah, you still got to get up and go, you know, you got to go to work the next day. You got to pay your mortgage, you know, you still got to buy groceries. So it's been interesting, but it hasn't really affected people. Stuff on the ground, running around in the woods, in your backyard and all that. International parks. International parks. That's a whole different story. Yeah. So I could see where they would want to maybe kind of like, okay, yeah, we'll give you like UFOs. We'll talk about that. But I got a feeling they're going to hold a lot tighter on to whatever they know about what's on the ground. You were mentioning um, skinwalkers at the Pentagon and mm-hmm. all of these UFO whistleblower types uh, talking about all this stuff. That reminds me of an interview that Lou Elizondo did where somebody asked him, I think it was the theory of everything, yeah. um, where he asked him about uh, are there other things because there was all this mm-hmm this upright canid uh, discussion in Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. And he said, there are things that go bump in the night. And he, he said was, that a couple of times. He He's used that ins- bump in the night term. He was insanely uncomfortable answering this. And I think a lot of people kind of gloss over that, yeah. that everybody, you know, they, ho- they hold the Elizondo in such high esteem and believe everything he says when it comes to all this stuff, because he was involved in OSAP. But then he mentions that there's other things other than these UAPs or these UFOs, that there are things, and that's his phrase, things that go bump in the night. And he was insanely uncomfortable when discussing this. So that kind of, you know, pushes it a little more that these things are real and the government does have knowledge Mm -hmm. of them or entities within the government has knowledge of them. Yeah, I mean, I think think it's one of those things that, you know, kind of like, Joe was saying there a second ago, you know, I I think they have some information on these things, you know, and I'm talking things on the ground, you know, dog men, Bigfoot, you know, all these different things. Do I think that there are some form of cover-ups as far as, you know, government agents coming up when one outlier maybe does get hit by semi or, you know, one of these things happen. Yeah. I've, I've heard all kinds of stories of, you know, somebody coming in a truck or a suburban and a body going in to a, a vehicle or a helicopter or something. And then it's just it's gone. You know, people I've coming a, back. I've got an analogy that I use. It's the gorilla. You know what I'm going to say? The I gorilla know. body analogy is that we were we had a real brief window when the information age started up and everybody was online and connected with the Internet. 
there was a real brief window that if something had happened like that, there was a body, people took photos and everything like that, word would have spread and word would have gotten out at that point. Yeah. Now with AI and AI generated images, that window shut. Oh, yeah. And I always tell people is that one of the things you're seeing with these UAP whistleblowers, and again, I, I want to stress, I'm not saying that they're they might even be connected, physical stuff on the ground, the weird lights in the sky. There may be no connection, direct connection between them, but there's a lot of parallels that you can draw. Um and one of the things I talk about is is that all of these whistleblowers are coming out and they're telling these stories, the paperwork they've seen. The people that are deep within the programs themselves, there's rumors that people that the actual people in those programs have met with Congress, told a lot of stories and people are going, we've been talking about this for years. That's just like big, that's like UFO lore. And I'm going, you know what, they, maybe the cover up hasn't been that great, you know, because it quite honestly sounds like they've done a pretty poor job. If all of these stories that people have been bandying about for years end up being true, what they have done a good job of is vilifying the subject and, you know, vilifying the people that dare to talk about it. At that well, point. I mean, that's that's how the Soviet Union had so much control over the populace is that people started to police themselves or they police their neighbors. You didn't have to have sweeping government control anymore. And that's what's going on in China as well is people police each other. So if somebody talks about an encounter they got or they have a sighting, then their fear of ridicule is going to basically cripple them. And they're not going to get that information out there. So we always talk about the analogy that I use is, let's say you're going out at night, you're taking your garbage out to the can, and there's a seven foot tall hairy hominid staring you right in the eye there. Um, You're paranoid like I am. So you're armed, you pull out your gun, you plug him, he's laying dead right there. Your neighbors are coming out going, you know, Joe, what the hell did you just do? I just shot this Bigfoot. It's going through my trash can. Everybody's got their cell phones out. They're taking photos of it. Somebody calls the local news. They come out. There's a big hubbub about it. And then all of a sudden, like you said, the black trucks show up. You know, they push everybody back. They take, you know, they take me, the poor guy that shot it. They pull me to the side, you know, and they're like going, listen, you know, we're not going to arrest you. Well, what are you going to arrest me for? You shot a gorilla. You shot an endangered species. It's not a gorilla. I shot a Bigfoot. By the time I come back around, the Bigfoot body's gone. There's a gorilla laying there. Now all they've got to do is go on the nightly news and go, we've got an interesting story. There was a gorilla that escaped a private exotic animal collection. Some dumb redneck shot it thinking it was a Bigfoot. Um, now you've got the animal rights people out there. Yeah, and, then yep. anybody, and nowadays, anybody that goes, no, this happened. Here's the photo I took. Everybody's just going to go, that's just AI. Yeah, it's not AI real. generated. It's not real. So in a way, the cover up, you don't even have to really cover it up. You just have to cover up the flow of information afterwards Mm -hmm. and make it toxic to talk about. And muddy the water so much. Muddy the water so much. I mean, that uh, that Mammoth Cave shooting that happened a few years ago, you guys are probably familiar with it, where the guy claims he shot Bigfoot and those campers saw. We watched that happen in real time, man. Just all of a sudden, all the other misinformation that started coming out and the various stories. And I looked at her just going, we're watching the cover up and. You know, in effect. And then it got real weird. Like the guy was naked at one point. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff that came out that you don't know whether it's true or not because it looks like somebody was trying to muddy the waters. Well, that's the thing. So much information comes out and we see it with every major topic in society, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that gets controversial or or divisive. I mean, that's what we see. We see it with everything that happens, you know. So just like you said, you have this flow of constant information. You don't know what's real. You don't know what isn't. It's like, you a, don't... It's, it's like a choose your own adventure news story. You know? <laughs> yeah, you just got to go whichever you want. 
And the it attention is. span is so short nowadays. Yeah. You guys remember a few years ago when there were those stories coming out of Texas about the monkey that was attacking pets and children in that small Texas town? Yep. Uh, a lot of people don't even remember it, but that came out, that story went local, then it went regional, and then went at national. And for like a day, all you saw was stories about some monkey attacking pets and kids in this little Texas town. And then that story just disappeared, man. And just literally after 24 hours, that story was gone. Nobody ever talked about it again. And I tried to look into it a little bit more because I'm going, even if the national news cycle moved along, I mean, hell, if you live there, you want to know what's up with the monkey. You want to know what's going on. Can I let my kid outside to play here? Do I need to have my dog in all the side? What happened with this monkey? Nothing was ever resolved on it. Nobody came out and went, here's the monkey, or listen, we captured it, or it just disappeared. We don't know, guys. The story just stopped, and the entire American population was on to the next news story at that point, man. It's just the memory is so brief nowadays that if they are trying to cover up something, I don't think they have to do as much work as they used to, you know, trying to keep just people misdirected and not paying attention to it. That's what's been interesting about this UAP thing is that it's managed to stay out there. Somebody behind the scenes is doing some work to keep this in the news cycle at this point. Yeah, keep it at the forefront for sure. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like Jesse was saying right there, you know, with what the Soviet Union did and what with what China is doing right now. I mean, again, we see that, too. We police ourselves. I mean, if you go on and, and, you know, share your thoughts on Bigfoot, half of the comments are going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're totally on board. Here's my theory, blah, 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 blah. And the other half is going to be, you know, you're an idiot. You're crazy. You're this. So we police well, ourselves. Especially on social media. Look at those yeah. Facebook groups. You'll get chased yep. off in a heartbeat if you're not following lockstep with whatever group think is like prevalent in that group at this point. So, yeah, you're um, exactly you guys right. had talked about things with antlers on one of your episodes that I've listened to. You guys were talking about, like, you know, Hearn the Hunter and these horned gods. You, I heard you guys mention old gods and all that, that kind of might have taken root in Appalachia and still come out every once in a while. We had a guy that uh, a friend of ours got in touch with us. He was experiencing tall, skinny, hairy things that his his exact words were they moved like crackheads. Yeah. Very jerky, very quick movements. But he said they had skulls for faces and antlers. So he went into a Bigfoot group just going, and this is somebody who's not really into this topic. He goes into a Bigfoot group going, can somebody help me? This is what me and my family are seeing and they, the torches and the pitchforks came out at that point and they chased him out of the group. Because you know? he made a description of what he was seeing, the skull face, the antlers, and he was in Kentucky, I believe. Yeah, he was in Kentucky. Yeah, he was in Kentucky. So. And Sounds about right. all these people in these groups were, were like, that's a skinwalker that's in the Southwest. You're culturally appropriating or the Navajo. Win- <laughs> or it's a Wendigo when you're so... We talked to this guy and it went on for months at this point. And when we say talk to him, we talked to him, his whole family. Yeah. I mean, there's like eight or nine people. The grandmother's in the room on speakerphone talking to us. We had access to his security cameras at his house remotely. Yeah. And we were to monitor the whatever was going on out there. So then finally he goes, he goes, I got a better look at it. He goes, me and like two of my friends literally saw it from like 10 feet away. He goes, it looks like it's wearing a mask of some sort. It looks like it's wearing like a skull that if the head's not a skull, but it's wearing antlers. He goes, it looked like there was like a piece of like rawhide that went around the back of its head. And he's just going, so I don't think it's got a skull for a head. I think it's wearing a skull is like some sort of like mask, some sort of decoration, whatever at this point. So we filed that away. And then we started hearing more stories Mm -hmm. from like Ohio, Pennsylvania, everything like that. People reporting a friend of ours overheard some guys talking at a gun store, these two hunters talking about how one of them was at a deer stand. 
and he saw a skinny Bigfoot basically wearing a deer skull, chasing other deer down a path. And then he said one of them jumped out of a spider hole. Popped out of a spider hole and grabbed a and, deer and pulled it in. And yeah. the guy's like going, what'd you do? And he goes, I didn't do anything. I'm sitting there trying to not make a sound. I'm afraid I'm going to wet myself, you know? And he goes, I left, waited for them to go. And I just got out. I left the deer stand and never went back. But it's when people try to report stuff like that, that doesn't follow even like the cryptid status quo. I mean, that com- the community polices itself, mm-hmm. you know, there's no, yeah. there's not even a chance for that person to explain it. They're just shut down and kind of pushed out. Wow. That is, that's crazy. That's such an interesting account. Yeah. yeah. We, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We hypothesize a lot of things. Well, I actually listened to a, a dark dive episode of y'all's today when you were talking about the diabolical hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's a lot along the lines of a lot of my current thoughts on the phenomena as a whole. Um, you know, I am, a, I am a Christian follower of Christ. And I've always said, you know, like throughout the entirety of this podcast, I'm not one of these Christians that believe everything is a demon. It, just because it's there and it's weird, I, I don't necessarily believe that it's a demon. But the further that I go along and the more stories that I hear and the more of these accounts that come in, you know, there's not very many super excited. I'm happy to see this. You know, it's always fear inducing. It's always, yeah. you know, this sense of dread and this, you know, you hear these abduction cases and it's torture. You hear yeah. like all of this stuff. And uh, again, go along with that diabolical hypothesis. I mean, that's a lot of my thoughts on the matter is whatever's going on. It's coming from a place of, and and I don't know, I'm not saying that all of this is tied in to one big thing, but to me, it seems like 99% of the accounts that we're hearing and the stories that we're getting, these people are terrified. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of the remainder that seem to have, like, I always call it the Disneyfication, you know, everybody wants that that Harry and the Hendersons type thing, you know, you take it home, it plays with the kids and all that. A lot of those, when you scratch the surface, don't seem that believable, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the ones that you, you guys had mentioned our friend Martin Groves on one of your podcasts. Um, And when you talk to Martin, guy's telling the truth, man, that guy, you know, he's visibly shaken. He's visibly shaken. And and this guy had a very storied law enforcement career. His, his word alone could get your butt thrown in jail. And, He's he's that credible of a witness, and he's he he occupies that level of like respect in his community. And then you sit and tell him he still has a hard time telling that it's he has a better time telling it in front of an audience because he can kind of separate. But when he's telling you one on one, he has a real hard time with it. And most of the people that seem the most credible don't have real good experiences with this yeah, stuff, man. You know? So so no, I agree with you on that. It's 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 not all of it's bad, but uh, it seems like the majority of it is. And you you mentioned um you mentioned that it seems like a lot of the stuff is kind of interconnected and it seems like a lot of there's a lot of um that it's all very similar. And at what point are these not coincidences anymore? At what point is it now it's a pattern and not just oh this is a coincidence that this seems like uh, it could be demonic. This seems demonic. Well, you've got all of these commonalities between whether it be UAPs or paranormal experiences mm-hmm. or experiences with what are referred to as cryptids. Um, 
And going back to what Joe, we were talking about how Joe and I differ so much in our opinions on a lot of stuff. And we, we have debates and arguments about that. I started off in the paranormal space. I started off with a lot of um, really ghost-centric type stuff. Um, I'll do Estes sessions. I use talking boards. I, I do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and Joe thinks a lot of that stuff is, uh, you're not talking to dead people. You're not talking to anyone that's deceased. Joe believes you're talking to like, demons. You're talking to demons that are pretending <laughs> so, to be something else. Uh, and a lot of this stuff is like, it's prescribed ritual. You know what I'm saying? It's it's action and intent. And then things are coming forward. And I'm going, you're basically summoning stuff at that point. Yeah, you know? yeah, so. yeah. And that's, you know, people do that with UFOs, you know, that the CE5 uh, where people yeah. go into the desert yep. and I'm going, so you're entering a meditative state. You're going through prescribed actions and strange things are showing up. Um, if this was the 15th century, they would burn you at the stake. You know what I'm saying? For doing this. It's <laughs> yeah. because it's summoning stuff at that point, you know? Well, no, something, uh, something that you said on that episode that really, really stuck with me is the people that are trying to summon these things, you know, UFOs, UAPs, all of these different things. Why aren't they doing it scientifically based, te- technologically based? Why are they doing it with with ritual, with, you know, all these uh, incantations and chanting and these group meditation settings? Mm-hmm. If it's not spiritual in some form mm-hmm. or fashion, well, yeah. then why I, do I those things? The- I think that the one of the things that we've we've that they're dancing around with the UAP topic right now. And I think that that's why maybe they're having a hard time coming forward and just saying what they want to say about it. A, I don't think we're ever going to get like full disclosure right now. What you're seeing is Congress is just ticked off that there's something that they're not in control of. (laughs) Yeah, and they want that control and they want to know what's going on and they want to be in control of it. And, and they might drop it after they've been satisfied. After they've been satisfied, you know. it's going to go hidden away at this point. We may never know, but they will. And that's what they're going after. And the best we can hope for is just a few crumbs to fall at this point. But what we're looking at is, is that all of the people that seem to be in the know, and when I say in the know, people that have looked at it for years that seem to have a really good grasp on it. Um, you guys are familiar with Jack Belay. He's always thought that there was more of an interdimensional quality to this stuff. He's the one that everybody talks to and goes to and references nowadays, not some of these like physical craft, you know, little green men from Mars type researchers. He's kind of the flavor of the month right now. And a lot of people like him, Luis Elizondo and all of them are are really kind of taking the stance that a lot of this phenomenon kind of bridges, you know, between the physical world and the spiritual world. And one of my favorite little things that used to happen is, is that uh, when Tom DeLonge first got on the scene, you know, a rock musician, and everybody just thought he was crazy, you know, and he's talking about meeting with generals and the stuff that they've told him. Everybody just thought he'd lost his mind until the Clinton emails came out. And it turns out that he was. He was meeting with Podesta. He was meeting with people in the White House. He was talking to generals. And before the handlers got a real good grasp on him and kind of like told him what not to say in public. He used to drop a lot of stuff that a lot of these things were were spiritual in nature. And he makes a couple of comments that a lot of times you're dealing with gods with a little G is what he calls them. You know, the old gods. Seen throughout our history or, you know, our ancestors saw them. They thought it was like, you know, you know, Apollo or Mars or Odin or anything like that. And that's I, I, I'm a folklorist. I have a background in folklore. And I, I always say that a lot of people 
kind of like just naysay it, you know, it's just interesting stories our ancestors used to tell. And I'm like, "Eh, it's kind of a roadmap that our ancestors left us on what they experienced and sometimes on how to deal with these things. And Um, it's universal too. You have have folklore from Europe and then you have Native American folklore and there's so many similarities between them all. Oh yeah, exactly. But then kind of follows that same kind of like, you know, archetype that, Mm -hmm. but I just think that, that we're getting to the point where the lines between the physical world and the spiritual world are going to get a little blurry before this is all said and done. Um, And it may be a lot more uncomfortable than just, you know, for people to talk about than just, you know, probes coming from like another planet, like outside of our solar system. Um, It might be that these things have been around longer than we have on this planet and that our ancestors have, have dealt with them. Maybe they're not evil, but I always go back to, you know, the word alien doesn't necessarily mean something from another planet. It means incomprehensible to us. Maybe it's something so outside of like our understanding of reality that the notion of good or evil doesn't really apply to it. It doesn't think in terms like that. And if you've got something that's that powerful and it's completely indifferent to us, there's really not a lot of difference between just, you know, complete indifference and evil at that point. And that's what it sounds like a lot of this stuff happens. It just does what it does. And if there's an effect on humans, they don't really care. If you're able to stand there and not be harmed, they don't care. Or if you get injured in some way, shape or form, they don't really matter either. Just that there's not a lot of the human condition doesn't seem like it factors into a lot of this. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of benevolence in these. No, no, I don't think there's a lot of benevolence in any of this stuff. So, well, you know, you you mentioned, you mentioned mythology, you mentioned Mm -hmm. mythology and it's kind of the, it's kind of the same way when you look at any form of ancient mythology, right? That that's the way the gods acted. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that they were evil. It's just that they were so far superior and thought of themselves as as so much greater than mortal man that we were just like, you know, ants in an anthill when a, a construction of a road coming through. So yeah, I mean complete disregard. Yeah. I mean, so it's not that much different. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge believer as well in all of this ancient mythology that we hear of. I believe the people were correct. I don't necessarily believe that it may have been, you you know, they, who they described and who they explained, I believe that's what they were being told. But I believe that it's the same entities from the beginning of time, from creation that moved on from civilization to civilization to civilization. They're all described the same. They all have the same characteristics. They all teach humans the same exact things. They just have different names and they just travel through space and time. Like, you know, nothing exists or like it doesn't exist. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you're hitting the nail on the head with all these things. They may not necessarily all be evil, but some of them are. And I think that some of them can manipulate all this other stuff to to get their rocks off in whatever the way they want to with our. There's definitely a trickster element that, you know, people talk about that a lot. I mean, we've experienced that firsthand. We've definitely experienced Um, that. We there was an area that we had Bigfoot reports in that we go into. We go in one night, like looking for just Bigfoot activity. So we go loaded out for Bigfoot activity. Our our Bigfoot stuff. This is back when we were still plastic, you know, using, you know, casting. We did have casting material material then. But we go out there, we look for, we're going looking for Bigfoot. That's our intention. That's what we're going out there to do. So we hike in, like going very deep into the forest, got all this Bigfoot-centric type stuff. We get out there, we start seeing 
basically what you can describe as orbs floating through the air. You can see orbs floating around. Yeah, I just and you it was, hear strange um, noises from all directions that that you can't really describe. It was these beating noises. We catch like disembodied voices on our camera equipment that mm-hmm. we find out later on. So we so, go back and we're geared up for a ghost hunt. You know. <laughs> go ahead. No, go, okay. so, yeah, come. <laughs> I didn't know you're gonna go. Um, yeah, so we go back, and so we, we're like, okay, now let's. We've got to change our approach because we're having all this stuff happen that is more. It's it's more akin to a haunting or like poltergeist activity. And you think about the orbs and everything. Again, we go very tech heavy with everything. So we have a full color night vision camera. We bring that with us. So we're going out ready for kind of a ghost hunt. We've got our um, EMF. We've got everything. We go out there and then we all of a sudden start experiencing nothing but Bigfoot activity again. We get out of the vehicle. We hike a little bit into the woods. We look down and there's the most perfect Bigfoot print Mm -hmm. right there in the mud. I mean, the most perfect like textbook, if there is a textbook, Bigfoot print right there. We didn't have any of our Bigfoot stuff whatsoever because we went out there loaded for ghosts at this point so it and it's the exact same area so it seems like there is kind of a trickster element there that keeps switching things up and kind of testing us in a way Mm -hmm. and and we have to change our approach constantly but we just we're like he said before we just kind of chase it constantly sometimes at these places it's just that's pain trying to draw you in just trying to draw (laughs) you into the phenomenon constantly (laughs) No, that is. I mean, it, it, that seems to be the way the phenomena works, right? It, it seems to be that, you know, it's playing all of these. That's like with us. And, you know, not to get really deep into it, you know, all the listeners and, and you guys, if you listen, you can hear about our this. It's been like a journey podcast. But, you know, it's like constantly these these different doors and, and information and evidence and, and accounts, you know, they're they're popping up. And then we'll chase this trail for a little while and then it'll just slam shut. And then another one opens up right beside it and we'll chase it for a while. And it's just constant. And it seems like there's a lot of times when we're stepping into something. It's like when we get there, everything's already set in stone. Like everything works out just exactly the way that it needs to without us really even lifting a finger Mm -hmm. to do anything about it. And, you know, we're not big time investigators like you guys are. I would much rather sit here and listen to you investigators and, and documentarians tell me your stories and accounts than be out there to do it. Because all that hiking and all that packing and all that stuff, that's a lot. of sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like a whole we're lot of work. We're quit almost on a weekly basis. We're just going to <laughs> yeah. a podcast show at this point. I do think that the universe, and I, I don't want to sound too hippy dippy with it. You know, I, all this is very new age, I guess. Yeah, isn't exactly it? It's so. in the new age section of the of the uh, <laughs> library. But, um, you know, I think the universe pushes you in directions, you know, and you we've kind of just given up fighting it at this point. We just accept what's coming and we just kind of roll with it. And, and it's worked out. Um, taking that approach, for example, with the Dogman thing, mm-hmm. we didn't really believe in Dogman. We didn't think Dogman was plausible. We're, there's no freaking way that there's an upright canid in the woods. It was it was just kind of a joke to us. Then all of a sudden, we started getting all of these Dogman reports. We got a report from Blowing Rock, North Carolina, about this girl who was on vacation with her father. She was out for a morning run. This is around Christmas, and. And upright canid starts chasing her down the road. 
Um, Her father got in touch with us about that. And then just south of that, a woman got in touch with us that there was an upright canid banging on the windows to her basement. She had an above ground basement and it was banging on the windows. It was urinating around her house and the dogs were getting freaked out. She was getting terrified. The neighbors were coming over. They were running out there with guns. They were trying to find this thing. She was trying to get us to come up there and investigate. We kind of looked into the area, but we deemed it to be kind of a dangerous situation for us to be out there with these people when they're out there hunting for a dog man. So we kind of backed off of that case a little bit. Um, And then a gentleman got in touch with us that we are now really good friends with who took us to the location where he actually had a dog man encounter where he and his friends were going down the road in their vehicle and they saw one stand up on the side of the road and then it chased their vehicle going an extreme speed and it caught up with them right just was right along the car the entire way he took us to the location showed us where it all happened and he was completely sincere he's actually uh, a preacher now you know um completely sincere people that are telling us all these stories but all of it was happening in just rapid succession so this was going on we had been looking into the LBL story, the beast of LBL story. And the LBL is the land between the lakes. It's situated in Tennessee and Kentucky. It's a national recreation area up there. And there's a story from 1982 that this family of four were murdered by a dog man in the LBL when they went to go camping there. So that's a story that's kind of been making its rounds in the cryptid circles for a while. So we decided, let's go to the LBL. So we had an idea to hit a few dog man famous spots and go investigate them. And we were going to call it dog man summer because we're going to spend the summer kind of investigating dog man. We went up to the LBL. We, it was kind of a lark. It was sort of a cryptid sightseeing tour. We were like, let's just go. We got to go. Everybody talks about it, but nobody ever goes there and nobody investigates there. So let's just do it. Drove all the way up there. Um, we were there for several days, but we were filming. It's the middle of summer. It's, in- it's insanely hot. It was summer solstice, actually. We were out there, and we had just gotten a new thermal, and Joe was kind of messing with it, and we heard a noise off into the woods. And we have a protocol that we do when we hear a noise. We go back to back, and we both kind of scan around in our directions. That way we have a 360-degree view on everything. So I'm looking off into the woods to where the noise was. Joe's looking at the opposite side and he actually has that thermal and he's clicking through on it and he sees something through it and he snaps two photos. Those photos turned out to be what appear to be an upright canid that is at least six feet tall, Mm -hmm. that has huge pointed ears on top of its head. And there's two photos. There's two thermal images. This thing is giving off extreme heat. And you can see between the two photos that this creature, whatever it is, moves. You can see a snout. You can see an eye. You can see the differential temperature on the body of this thing as opposed to the the surfaces around it, the trees, the ground and everything, it stands out like crazy. And we have those two images and we, it took us a while to really look at those thermal images and accept that, okay, we've got something to contend with here because it turns out these things are real and we have photos of it. So we had to really rethink what we believed in and what we were going to deal with. Cause at that point, point the encrypted stuff we really looked into was sasquatch um, we did some ghost stuff and some paranormal stuff but we'd really just looked into sasquatch but now 
now it's come it's come rushing at us that Dogman's real. So we really shifted to Dogman for a while after that. We went back to the LBL several times, and subsequently we've had several ser- video series where we have insane, um, insane evidence of something going on up there. So we were really focused on Dogman for a while, and then something has shifted us back to Bigfoot. And we've been going into the dark corner area of South Carolina and finding just tons of Bigfoot um, evidence and activity. And we don't really see that in a lot of the areas we've been investigating up until now. Now we're getting all kinds of what you would consider Bigfoot-esque mm-hmm. activity. So we just kind of, we're going with the flow and where the where the universe wants to take us with that. Yeah, that's all. I mean, it's it's super interesting. I mean, I kind of, you know, I said that I just like to sit here and hear the stories and hear the accounts, but I envy you a little bit. I mean, it sounds like a really good time. It's just that thrill, right? It's it's the adrenaline rush of being out there yeah. and experiencing this stuff, you know, and, and it's stuff that that that's not normal. You know, it's it's other. It's just it's not supposed to be there. So we say we we talk about this a lot all the time. It's like, okay, you know, it's hard to tote all this stuff out there. It's hard to haul it all out there. It's hard to maintain all this equipment. It takes all of our time, all of our money, all of our everything. Um, this is our entire lives is doing this. We're like, okay, we could just hang it up, sell the stuff and have a normal life. But we would never have a normal life because after what we've experienced, what we've seen, there's just no way to go back to having a normal life from what we've been through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're kind of on the side. Well, I am anyway. I'm sure that Lance and Ryan had to jump off here. He had a really important call. He said to apologize to you guys. He was not anticipating that. So, but I think that, you know, just speaking for me, and I'm sure that Lance can kind of say the same thing. You know, I've had a lot of experiences throughout my life, mostly paranormal experiences, not really any cryptids. I've seen, you know, UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call them. Um, but you know, we're here in central Appalachia, every hill and holler you go up and down, something's weird. It just, something feels off, you know, everywhere you go, that's how I grew up. But with these paranormal experiences, you know, it it was one of those things. And we kind of talked a little bit pre-recording, just kind of how the culture is here. You know, these people don't want to talk about this stuff. You know, yeah, you might sit down at a family dinner or a, uh, a bean stringing or a corn shucking and the old folks get around or, or after church on Sunday and the old folks get around and they start telling these, these tales and these stories of, well, when I was little, you know, my uncle saw this guy riding a horse along the fence line. You know, he didn't have a head, you know, you hear all these stories, but when you're a kid, it's one of those things like, yeah, I mean, this is just, you know, old wives tales and you're just trying to keep me out of the woods and keep me from getting into trouble. But then, you know, as you get older and, and you, you experience some things, especially as, uh, like we did, that kind of shifted our interests and, and our paths, you know, down this weird road. I couldn't imagine doing anything else other than this podcast now because I was always really open with my experiences, even so much so that Lance, you know, we've known each other 20 plus years was telling me at the time, Justin, you're crazy. This stuff doesn't exist. You know, you're having a mental break, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he eventually experienced it as well. So, you know, trump that one. 
but it's one of those things I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine doing anything other than what I'm doing now because of the opportunity to be able to talk to folks such as yourselves, you know, that have had these experiences that have all these different ideas and these theories, you know, it's, it's like a therapy session because you spent your entire life getting laughed at and mocked. And, you know, even if you don't really let it bother you, if you've got, if you have thick skin still, you just want to be able to sit down with somebody and have that conversation and not be looked at like, you know, the crazy person in every room that you're in. So just like you guys are saying there, you know, yeah, you could hang it up and, and go on about, you know, your merry way, but nothing's ever going to be the same. I mean, you've experienced what you've experienced that shifted your interests and in your life. And, and it's made you the people that you guys are today, the same way that it has us. And it leaves you constantly, even though they're probably never going to come. You're constantly searching for answers. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? Why is it here? How did it get here? You know, what's it doing? What's the, what's the, the status quo? What kind of, you know, what does it have going on in its mind? Is it thinking the same way that I, there's all of these questions and it's, I mean, I don't know. I just, I really enjoy what you guys are doing and it would be a tragedy. It'd be a tragedy for you guys to hang up <laughs> and go on about your merry way and try to live normal lives. That sounds super boring. Joe's okay. a terrible golfer. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, can't take up golf, so I need something to occupy my time, but you know, it's interesting. You would mention that, you know, from the, you know, the parts of the country that we're all from, people just don't talk about it, you know, and we're, we're experiencing that right now in South Carolina. You know, we live in the upstate of South Carolina, but the majority of our, investigations have taken place in North Georgia, um, you know, Western North Carolina, Kentucky. We really didn't do a lot in South Carolina. And if you look just on reported Bigfoot sightings, South Carolina is near the bottom of the list. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it's not that those, and I always say, well, North Georgia's heavy, Western North Carolina's heavy. What are they doing? They're just hopping from state to state. You know, there's, there's gotta be activity in South Carolina. It's just that nobody talks about it. And like Jesse said, we started getting a few Bigfoot reports from South Carolina that we went and looked into with this dark corner series that we're doing. And as soon as that came out, like our email just blew up. Oh yeah. I mean, we're averaging five, six, seven a day from people within an hour of us that are going, let me tell you some stories. Just keep my ID. You know, my, I don't want my name out there, but um, we've got right now, we could probably go investigate a different spot every week for months at this point, mm-hmm. not go to the same spot twice. Those encounters are out there. These people just aren't talking to anybody. These aren't the people that, you know, get online and file a report with the BFORO or call the local paper or anything like that. They talk about it with their family and friends, and then it just doesn't go any further than that, you know? So, yeah. and it's it's weird because you got to, you got to kind of, you almost have to luck into it at this point, you know? Like I said, it, it just, it was just, we were lucky on the fact that we did that dark corner video and then the right people saw it and then they contacted us. And then we went into that spot and then other people that have had encounters in that spot, saw that video. It's just, snowballing it's at just this snowballs. Point. And we just, like I said, we don't fight it. We just go to where the universe is trying to take mm-hmm. us to at this point. So it gets a little weird sometimes, but you know, <laughs> you got to roll with it. <laughs> you got to roll with it. So, well, it gets super weird. I've watched the videos. It gets super weird. Sometimes I'm sitting there like, Oh crap, what's going to happen next? You know, like I'm watching some kind of, you know, production that you're going to watch on true TV or, or some of this junk. I'm sitting there like, 
heart beating, like, oh, my God, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? How do you think it feels being out there? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. In that spot in North Georgia we were at, uh, we were investigating an area that had some possible Bigfoot activity. We weren't quite sure, but it was just like one night there was like a switch flipped. It just stopped and it never came back. We just kept going out there and kept going out there. Nothing ever happened. So we just started exploring up there, just kind of gradually widen out a little bit further every week. We came across that network of old like logging and forestry roads that aren't really well traveled at all at this point. Most of them are barely passable. And we went up there looking for, for Bigfoot, and we found everything but Bigfoot up there. We found that's where we saw that weird light. I don't yeah. know if you saw that video. Yep. Um, we saw if it's like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. If it's like a portal, a UAP, what it was. But, I always just call it a portal. That's the only yeah. way I can describe it. But we saw that. We found little footprints mm-hmm. up there. Um, Never anything large, though. And people always go, well, they're juvenile Sasquatch. And I'm like, well, where are the adults at? You know, all we're finding smaller ones. And these particular mountains, the Cherokee used to, you know, talk about that the Cherokee little people yeah. were out there. Yes. So yes. we talked about how that folklore and that mythology is kind of reflected in what people are experiencing today. This is a, a prime example of it. Well, then we're up there. Then we start hearing rumors about occult activity taking place up there. And then we start finding evidence that what people were telling us, it, it's taken, it's, it's, it's occurring. And now we're kind of in this quandary going, what the heck's going on up here? Is it? Are all these things connected somehow? Are they separate, but they were separately attracted to the same location for one re- reason? Is the occult activity strengthening the other weird stuff that's going on up here? Or is the weird stuff drawing up the occult stuff? And, you know, at times we'd look at each other and go, what have we gotten ourselves into, man? Yeah, we were, we were was, looking for Bigfoot. It was I mean, getting pretty we, dark. Yeah, it was getting pretty weird. So, um, but yeah, it's just you just you take it with it and then you never know what the next thing it's going to happen. Like when we saw that light that night, that portal, it's like one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me in my entire life. I can't and, believe I got it on film and yeah. then on the thermal too. Yeah. So. so, but we just stumbled across that. I mean, we're, we're not out looking for stuff like that. We were originally looking for Bigfoot. Yeah. It's just that we found all this other weird stuff out there in the process. Yeah. Um, and luckily, like I said, we carry the technology to try to, to document it sometimes. Sometimes we're not successful. And that's one of those things that I always bring back to when people are going, well, there's so many like, everybody's got a camera on their cell phone right now. Where are all the photos at? And I'm like, man, we're in the woods. We're prepared with better cameras than you'd see on a phone. We're prepared. We're out looking for this. And we're kind of mentally prepared enough to kind of go out there too. And we're still not catching it a hundred percent of the time, you know, let alone somebody's got to fumble their phone out of their pocket, open the (laughs) camera app and all that. But a lot of times we do catch it. A lot of times we, you know, when we went and saw the Brown Mountain Lights, we caught awesome footage of the Brown Mountain Lights, and it kind of changed my perspective of what that phenomenon is. I yeah. mean, there's these aren't just lights in the forest, man. There's something there's something more going on there. The and Brown Mountain Lights are more akin to UAPs and UFOs than activity anything than else. else. And it's been going on for, for generations up there. Yeah. But luckily, we had a good camera. We had a camera that was designed specifically to catch that. So it wasn't, we weren't just out there with our cell phones trying to film it. We had a real impressive low light color night vision camera and we were able to catch awesome footage. I think we probably have the best footage of the Brown Mountain Lights ever. And that's not bragging because I mean, yeah. we froze our butts off on the side of that mountain that night. <laughs> we were out there for hours doing it, but we went when there's nobody else around. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to by ourselves and we stayed out there all night long until we were able to see it. And then we had the, the equipment to catch it at that point. Um, that's the other thing too, is, is that, you know, a lot of people that go out and they do this kind of casually, you know, you're, you got your little back to bang on the trees with, and you got your, you know, maybe you've got some call blasting that you're going to do from your phone, play some Bigfoot calls and all that. 
if anything happens, you're not going to be able to capture that evidence of that happening unless you're prepared for it. And I mean, that's probably reason. I mean, we go real tech heavy and trust me, it's a pain lugging some of the stuff through the woods and it's expensive. And, you know, it's, we make sacrifices in our life and other areas in order to be able to afford this stuff. We're not wealthy, you know, but it pays off that when we're in the right place at the right time. And we and, get that footage. And we yeah. get that footage. I mean, we got those thermal images, like Jesse said, of, of something that looks like a dog man in the LBL. And that was just a wide, that was an eye-opening experience for mm-hmm. us. Um, I didn't even think it was a dog man at the point. Uh, I, I'm looking at it going, what am I seeing? Like, am I looking at a giant bat? Because it's got these very large, oversized, pointy ears. And it wasn't until we started talking to people like Bart Nunley and other people like that that have had experiences in and around that area. And they were going, hey, these large pointy ears are like the defining feature of these creatures. We start seeing witness sketches and all of them have these giant, large pointy ears on them. Um, You know, the Brown Mountain Lights, when we saw that portal, we had a we had a full spectrum camera and a thermal imaging camera. We were able to catch capture like footage of it on both at that point. So. so, yeah, like I said, and that to your point is, is that you have something like that happen. You come home and you look at the footage and you're like, we got it. And it's so hard to walk away from it at that point, <laughs> yeah. man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we we usually take the summers off just because the heat's so brutal down here in South Carolina. Um, we usually take like six to eight weeks off in the very height of summer. And we just do whatever at that point, you know. We, That's where a dark dive came from. Yeah. It's, that was last summer. Yeah. We didn't go out in the woods much last summer. We just did dark dives every week. But now there's so much activity down here. We can't stop going We out. can't because we're afraid of what we're going to miss out. If yeah. we don't go out this week, would this be the week that it happened? That we yeah. got like the best yeah. footage that we ever got at that point. So we're out in 105 degree weather, you know, slugging all this stuff through, climbing over rocks and everything like that. But it's, we're afraid we're It's that fear of missing out at this point. You know, we're going to, this way, if we, we got don't the go paranormal up, FOMO, yeah, this is <laughs> going to be the FOMO. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I was, you know, as I've said, uh, and, and evidence wise, sorry, I was stumbling a little there. Evidence wise, look, this is totally genuine here. You guys have as good or better documented evidence than anybody else in the game. I'm, I'm just saying it flat out. And and listeners, viewers, he'll fault. If you guys think I'm kidding, go check them out. Seriously. I mean, they have the best evidence in the game. They really do. I mean, they're sitting here talking about, you know, catching this portal. And I know that most of you listen to this were like, now, come on. I mean, really? No, look. I'm I'm dead serious. They captured <laughs> yeah. it. And this is why I can't do this stuff because I would have probably been running at it, trying to jump through it like an well, idiot. That's what she tried to, to do that night. We had actually <laughs> been out in a different area, and we had been out for like – we'd been out for like 16 hours, man, and nothing had happened at all. And sometimes you just get that feeling out in the woods, and you're just going, the woods are dead tonight. There's just nothing happening. So – you know, towards the end of the night, we decided to call it, you know, we were going to leave. We're driving out and we drive past, you know, we're on this little gravel road. We drive past a, you know, an area that, that we've driven past what a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. And we, to that night I happened to go, I've never noticed that cut in the Hills. Next time we're here, we need to go explore it, you know? And Jesse's like, oh, well, let's just dip our heads in there right now. You know? So we get out of the car. We don't have our packs on. Um, Jesse still had her thermal imager on her belt. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> and we grabbed the full spectrum camera, yeah. but we didn't have any of the even the safety stuff we usually carry, like mm-hmm. our GPS unit, or we've got a personal locator beacon that we carry with us. Cause we were just going up there just to kind of look around real quick. And looking back on it, it's like we got lured deeper into the woods. Jesse thought she saw something jumping from tree to tree. 
And it wasn't big, but we've been finding small footprints out there. And we're still not sure what that is. We never really got a good look at it. It could have just been a, you know, could have been a squirrel jumping from tree to tree. But we go up there onto this hilltop and we're looking around, we're checking the treetops, we don't see anything. We'd been up there for what about 15 minutes or so, right? Looking all around from this hilltop, didn't see anything at all. And we go to leave, and Jesse just stops and goes, What's that? And we look and we just watch this light just gradually get bigger and bigger. Um, about the size of a small car when it finally stopped. Yeah. Um, very bright. Now that camera that we filmed it on, that's a that's basically an action camera. It's basically a GoPro. It doesn't have very much distance to it. So they're designed to actually for ghost hunters inside houses. Yeah. So they don't have a lot of distance to them. We use an additional IR light to fill in sometimes, but um we just had the the light that comes with it. It's called a phasm cam, but we had the light that came with it. So it doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of reach because it's made for indoor use primarily. Yeah. But it was so big and so bright. We were that you could actually you see, could it. see it. Yeah. And what's weird is, is that it was bright, but it didn't illuminate anything around. It. Um, and people would go, well, you know, it's a camping lantern. And I'm going, well, camping lanterns are designed to light up crap around it. That's what, that's why you got it, you know, to light up the stuff around Not it. Not to mention right before yeah. we saw that portal open up. Um, I was scanning around with my thermal. I was, you can see me on camera. I have one long shot there of me scanning with my thermal and then me putting it away and then walking. And then we see the light I'm scanning with my thermal. If there was somebody out there, I would have seen them with my thermal. I would have seen, I I can see a mouse a hundred yards away with that thermal. Like that thing is amazing. I would have seen somebody out there. If it was somebody with a campfire or if it was somebody with a freaking lantern, I would have seen it. Yeah. So it just, it's, we literally watched it and she starts going towards it. Now I'm a foot taller than she is. So I've got like a different vantage from it at that point. And I'm looking at it. And again, it's not lighting anything up around it, but it looks like there's figures moving around the bottom of it. It's the weirdest thing. And it wasn't, the light wasn't illuminating them, but you would almost see it like reflect off them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you held something reflective up to like maybe your computer screen. My computer screen's not you know, lighten up a lot of stuff around it. But if I hold something up to it, it reflects a little bit of light back. So I'm just going at first, I'm like, I think there's people around it, you know, so I don't want it going up. I mean, we're in the middle of the woods. We don't, we don't know what's going on. And then it starts lifting up off the ground like that. And now I'm going, well, where are the figures at? I just saw, I mean, now I'm, this is definitely not a camping lantern. This is not, you know, this is not a flashlight. This is, this is nothing normal. Um, it's too big to be a drone. Um, even if it was a drone, it's it's going to have a different type of light. You're going to hear it. Um, it was rising through the trees when it started. Yeah, it was rising through the trees for it. And I'm going, where are these figures at? And now I'm going, we need to get out of here because I don't know where the figures were. Are they moving our way? Are they moving through the woods or whatever? But the whole time she's trying to run at it. I mean, she <laughs> cut most of that out of the video, but I'm just like literally having to drag her back by her chest rig. Because she's just like, at one point she goes, I think I need to go to it. And I'm going, no, that's the last thing you need to do at this point. You're not going to this light. So yeah, we, we hike out and it's weird because you can see it in frames. Cause I'm just filming as we go. I'm not trying to film anything. I've just got the camera in my hand, but you can see occasionally the camera will pan over and you can catch this light just kind of going up. And then when we got to the bottom, we look up and it's gone. We could never figure out where it was, but at the same token, I don't know where those figures are. You know, did they leave with it? Are they in the woods? So we got in the car and we we got out at that point, yeah. man. We went back the next day, 
and had more weird stuff happen at that point. So, yeah. Um, we went back and we, we went to go get data. We went to gather data. So we take all of our instrumentation, our Geiger counter, EMF, all of that stuff. Cause we're like, okay, whatever this was just opened up in the woods. We need to go and check it out. So we came back the next day. We had elevate a little bit of the elevated radiation, a little bit of elevated area. radiation in one spot. The yeah. EMF was spiking in that area. Um, and then when we're hiking out, Joe just pans the camera around and something we didn't see it. We I we didn't know this happened until we put the video out. And people that watch our videos, were, our subscribers were like, hey, there's something jumping from tree to tree at the end of the video. We're yeah, like, that was freaking weird, dude. So we yeah. look at it and I put it at the beginning of the next video, like slowed down and zoomed in. Um, and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. We cannot tell what that is. And I was actually looking at that footage today and slowing it down and seeing if I could I was I was raising the exposure a little bit to see if I could make it a little clearer. Um, it, it looks reddish, reddish brown, and it's up there. And it just it I have all these um, like screen grabs like of these stills of it, and it looks like it has legs and arms, and it's going from tree to tree. You can see the trees bending under its weight. Um, we have no idea what that is. We have no clue what that. And is. I was just panning the camera as we were leaving out. I yeah. just kind of went. That like was this a lucky. Me, and then just was that a was lucky a lucky catch, get. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, to me, and I think that was my that was my my gateway drug to you guys. I saw that clip, and uh, I was like, "Holy crap! What what is this? What did they capture? Because it looked humanoid, but mm-hmm. again, like you guys are explaining, it was just going like limb to limb, like a, you would watch yeah. a squirrel go through the woods." But I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I would keep going back and replaying it, and slowing it down, and blowing it up. I'm like, what? is this i've never seen anything yeah. like this before in my life so and it's so smooth it doesn't yeah. it just it moves unnaturally it's weird it's the weirdest thing man it is but you see those trees just going under its weight and it's i have no idea i have no clue what it is and that seems like that kind of stuck with a lot of people seeing that whatever that is that creature kind of go from tree to tree and we captured it. It just, that's kind of stuck with a lot of people. We call it the jumper. Yeah. And it's weird because we'll be out. Let's just say we're, we're, let's say it's a one day and night investigation. You know, we're going to leave at five in the morning or whatever. We might be out there for 16 hours and we might be running two cameras at a time. Mm-hmm. Plus like thermal imagers, some night vision. We'll have audio equipment going. So we have to review all that footage later on. You know what I'm saying? For every hour we're out there, there's probably two to three hours worth of stuff we got to review. Yeah, there's just two of us. So, you know, you're looking at maybe 40 hours of review. I always go, what did we kind of zone out and miss at this point? You know what I'm saying? What's just like, you know, on our hard drive in there that we just kind (laughs) of maybe we stretched and yawned at that point and we just blinked and we missed it. I mean, did we have anything else like that out there? And we've even joked about going, you know what, if we if we could host it somewhere, just put all of our raw stuff out there. Just let people comb through it at this point, because people love doing that stuff, man. Mm -hmm. They love going through just. We'll have people, the the one guy who did all of the video analysis on that jumper, I mean, he probably spent two or three days on that. Yeah. Man. Just, you know, running it through different filters, speeding it down, doing this. And I mean, just, you know, just, and I, we, we don't have a videography like background like that. I had to teach myself how to edit. So yeah. I, I've just been learning, learning on the job when I'm doing it. You but know? that's what drives me crazy is I'm always like, what's, what's in the archives that we don't know. What's yeah. There, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, I mean, <sighs> That's probably not a bad idea, really. Get some internet sleuths out there to to start reviewing some of this stuff and catch some stuff. But to me, you know, talking about this this jumper, it's almost like something was surveying you all 
mm-hmm. as yeah. you're out here, yeah. as you're doing what you're doing, you know, like yeah, I say all the time, you go hunting and, and the crows will let everything else around know what's going on before, before you ever get to where you're going. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like there's a, a sentinel yeah. up here yeah. in the treetops just trying to stay ahead of of y'all a little ways to to let, I don't I don't know it's it's freaking weird though as soon as it I saw that we yeah we had our backs to it we were leaving yeah and... it, it made its move as soon as we turned around because I was literally with my left hand over my shoulder like this because we'll do that every once in a while just kind of film around us yeah but it made its move as soon as we turned our backs to it and started moving away yeah so yeah and what's weird is is Jesse the reason why we went up there that night we moved deeper in because she saw something jumping from tree to tree but we could never find it. And then that's only a couple miles from where we had found small, like, footprints, mm-hmm. bare, and, like, you know, in the snow and the mud, and like, you know, in North Georgia winter, you know, somebody didn't have their, even if somebody had their kids up there running around barefoot, you know, you're going to see adult prints up there, you know. I mean, these kids aren't driving themselves up into these mountains, you know. So we've found small footprints. So everything up there leads us to believe that there's something Some small, small humanoid. You know, some small humanoid up yeah. in that section of the mountains up there. So. North Georgia, moon eyed people for sure, Lance. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure, moon eyed people. Okay, so individually, and I know that you guys do all this stuff together, but I also know that things settle individually a little differently. So, out of your investigations, experiences, all of these different things, what would you say, and again, on an individual basis, what would you say that what experience creeped you out the most, gave you the biggest heebie-jeebies, like, I don't know if I want to do this. I think we need to leave. And I, I know that's probably, we've talked about a lot of these things. I already would have GTFO'd real quick. Joe, <laughs> no, go. I don't, I don't, well, okay. That's the problem with me though. Is there's, um, I, I, that's the problem with me is we were in this place this past week. And if you watched our latest video, it was a night investigation. We, there was something up in the trees. Um, we had eye shine really close to us. Joe saw something very close. We heard phantom drumming. It was a lot of crazy stuff in this last video we put out. Um, you know, we get done and Joe is like, I don't really want to go back. I don't really want to go back. And I was like, well, we have to, we have to go back. What are you talking about? Like, would, you think you're going to leave that behind? We have to go back. I have a bad problem. Like I run towards the light. I just, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I think something is broken with my risk mitigation center of my brain. Um, which is why I'm thankful to have Joe because he has to be my risk mitigation, um, person because I just want to go at it, you know? And that's, I mean, that's what I, I do that. I go right at it. I went right, right for that light and he had to grab me and pull me back. Um, probably some of the scariest times we had were in the LBL in the middle of the night, um, that we found a tent that was torn up in the LBL. And it, the guy's effects were strewn about. There were claw marks in the tree. Uh, the tent was just destroyed. It had like claw marks on it. Um, it looked like the guy was in it and tried to cut his way out with a knife and kind of get out of there before whatever happened, happened to him. Um, but his stuff was all there and something bad happened to this person. 
there. And his tent was deep in the woods and still there. Um, and these claw marks in the tree were huge. I've got those uh, on camera and everything. And we were there in the middle of the night. And it was, that was probably the most scared I've ever been is mm-hmm. being in the LBL in the middle of the night. It's darker than dark there. And even if a moon is in the sky, it's, it's scary. It's really scary. I'm really scared out there. And even for me, um, but you kind of have to just get over it because I can't stop. I can't stop doing this. I don't know. You know, what am I going to do? Quit, quit doing this. I'll mm-hmm. go crazy. Um, but it was scary. It just like, you just are just full of that fear. Um, but you just kind of have to get, get over it and just keep airing forward, you know? For me, it's probably probably a couple of things. Um, also, the LBL, we were out there, and I can't remember which LBL video this got put into, if it was the first, second, or third from the latest round. But we're out there, and we found an area where we were finding, like, abandoned clothes. Like, we were finding, like, jeans that were kind of, like, you know, pulled off and ripped up, and then boots you know what i'm saying yeah. and you're always like all right maybe it was a couple teenagers out there messing around and somebody pulled up on them and they had to hightail it out and they left their clothes but you know the jeans looked like they had blood on them and these were nice boots man they was expensive boots you know um it seems like if somebody had to peel out you know they'd go i gotta go back and get my boots you know yeah. they wouldn't have stayed there so we're in that area looking around and we're walking just around. There's an old building there because the LBLs dotted with old buildings when people used to live there. Um, when the uh, TVA Tennessee Valley Authority took the area over, they just let all that stuff rot. You know, they tore some of it down, but a lot of it. You'll be hiking through the woods off trail, and you'll come across an old cabin or the remnants of an old, you know, TVA work shack or something like that. But um, we're kind of looking around, and I turn around and I look, and I I see something running. It was pretty close, man. It was like under like 50, 40 feet or so. It was fairly close. And it was running from left to right. And it was just unnatural, just unnatural. It's the limbs seemed too long. It seemed like there were too many joints in the arms and the legs. It seemed like it was too clumsy looking to move the way that it did. And it was really fast, really fluid. It didn't, the, the lay of the land, you know, the way of the terrain didn't affect the way it moved because when I ran over after it, I realized it had gone over what was a trash heap once upon a time. And so it's the ground is sunken a couple feet there. It didn't dip down with that when it went over top. It was physical because it made the branches of the tree move. Um, and I didn't get it, but she's got me running after it. And I'm just going, I don't know where it went to because it went around that building and it was just gone. I mean, it was just gone. There was nowhere. It didn't go under the building because there was no space underneath there. There was no holes in the ground for it to get into. Um, it didn't look like it climbed a tree, but it was just for some reason that just shook me because it was so fast and it was so sudden. And there and it was real. You it saw was it. real and it was yeah. shocking to look at. And for a moment, I was just I mean, again, we're out looking for weird stuff. But the sight of it just shook me so badly that if it had came, we go armed doing this, but if it had come towards me, I wouldn't have had time to draw my, my pistol at all. Not I mean, with the just, way that it moved. Yeah, that it and moved. And I, I saw it, I had seen it earlier, and I, I got my reaction, and that was near where that abandoned tent was. And I kind of blew her off when she did it. I just mm-hmm. thought maybe her eyes were playing tricks on her because I didn't see anything. And then later on, I saw it, and of course, we we have to just kind of visually describe it to each other, so we think we saw the same thing. You know, we're, we're pretty sure. Um, but it was just so just wrong, I guess is the only word I can come yeah. up to it. It just didn't look like it should be here and it didn't look like it should move 
the way it moved, it looked like it should just be, it was lanky and gangly and it just didn't look like it should move. And darker. Up. It was, it was like darker than dark, dark, but you could still you see know? details to the face and yeah. just, it was just Sasquatch doesn't cover it. Dogman doesn't cover it. I don't know what we saw. It was just bizarre that. And then the, the thing that I referenced that just happened to us a couple of weeks ago where I saw that outline of that body and it was just an outline of a body. It's not super big. It was under seven feet. The head seems too small for the body, but the eyes are what I saw at first, this amber reddish, and then it's just gone. And that's something that I've kind of like, I've spent a lot of time thinking about over the last few weeks is, is again, I just went like, it seems like something took two seconds from me, you know, out of my memory. And that's a really difficult thing to conceptually. It sounds weird, but then when all of a sudden you're in the position, when you go, did I just literally experience two seconds of missing time? Um, it, it kind of shakes your, your foundation a little bit. Cause now you're going, has that ever happened to us before? And we didn't have the camera equipment on or whatever. And there's, has there something that's happened to us before? And we just don't remember it. I don't think that's the case because we're usually, I running, hope that's not the yeah, case. we're usually running camera equipment, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that's something that stuck with me. I'm like, and I'm going 10 years from now, I'm all of a sudden just going to go, Oh my Lord. I remember something that was like repressed. That's really weird to have that. I mean, you read about that stuff. You hear people talk about that stuff. And again, mine wasn't that major. It just seems like I was missing two seconds. And that might not even be what happened. It might have just been like a shock response. But the possibility that that maybe happened has been really troubling to me mm-hmm. and really made me hesitant to go back up into that area at this point. Um, yeah. Just weird. It's something subtle. It's something, you know, it's not as dramatic as having, you know, a seven foot tall, like, you know, Wolfman jump out at you from 10 feet away. It's insidious. It's very, it's just, it's disturbing on a different level that if you're dealing with something, if the possibility is there that we're dealing with something that has those abilities, we're so outclassed at that point, no matter what sort of technology we take in, no matter what sort of preparation that we do, no matter how we approach it, we're just dealing with something that's just on such another level that anything we learn is just going to be because it let us learn it at that point. Yeah. So, Yeah. Those are all terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. I couldn't imagine, you know, the whole long limbed lanky creature that's it's almost like an uncanny valley kind of thing right like you know it's it's something that you think you recognize but it's it's not fit in any of these categories so yeah that's super terrifying and then you know this whole even if it's just two seconds even if Mm -hmm. it's just two time is it's one of the most precious things that we have right I mean, mm-hmm. we like to be accountable and, and to know for every second of the day I was doing this. You know, mm-hmm. I have my all my functions. I know what I'm doing. I know what's going on, even if it's just two seconds. If it's not there and you don't understand why, that's that's mm-hmm. terrible. I mean, yeah. that is yeah. that's terrible. I mean, yeah, it's not, you know, 30, 45 minutes like some of these. Mm-hmm. abduction cases or whatever but regardless it's enough that you see something your brain is already trying to mm-hmm. trying to figure out what this is and then just boom yeah it's like nothing ever happened you know what was this even real what was this something like did something step through the veil and right back through where it came from and and it just happened that fast or did i blink and and mi- it's just, I don't know, all those. Are, <laughs> I couldn't imagine personally being in any of those situations. I mean, 
it's terrifying. And you guys are dealing with all of it. You know, just like you were talking about the occult activity earlier, whenever yeah. you're going out to check something out, you know, I don't know what's scarier, all these cryptids and, and the paranormal and the supernatural and, and these phantom ghost spook lights that are going around or a coven of God knows who out here doing some kind of ritual, whatever they're doing. And I don't know. And, and I've really enjoyed hearing y'all's perspective and, and your side and what you're doing because so much of what your boots on the ground doing is what we sit here and theorize about every episode. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, witchcraft and the occult and all of this different stuff and how to do these, you know, the modern day pagan rituals and beliefs, you know, how does that interact with the weird that's already out there? You know, just like you said earlier, Joe, I mean, is it, is it the weird kind of bouncing off of that or is it, you know, that bringing about this stuff or is it just kind of a, a give and take an ebb and flow of all of these things coming together at once to make these, you know, super intense areas of high strangeness. I mean, is that what's going on? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's we, kind of a, which came first, the chicken or the egg yeah. scenario. Yeah. That's where I was going to. And it's weird because so many of these areas like the LBL, there's a ton of occult activity that takes place there. Mm-hmm. And, for, and it's weird because we run across people that, you know, they, they've lived in a city their whole lives, you know, and conceptually they can, they can accept Bigfoot. But then if you try to tell them, there's people in 21st century America that are involved in occult activities on an organized level, you know? Yeah. And they they, just laugh, at they laugh at that. That's impossible yeah. to them. And unless you're from like, you know, you guys are from rural areas, man. You know that there's certain hollers, you know, certain areas you don't go to, you know, the families <laughs> yeah. up there involved with weird stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, some of these snake handling churches and everything like that, you know, they might, Jolo, baby. They might yeah, they might have Baptist on the, you know, on the sign out front, but that's not what's going on in there. No. And yeah, when you add that human element, it's a whole different kettle of fish at that point. So, well, you know, I I grew up with my own, well, my mama, that's what I call her. I mean, I've watched her gather herbs and and cure and heal different sicknesses and, you know, a quick little story. I was a sickly kid. She went down to the river, cut a limb of a sourwood tree, measured it to my exact height, cut it off there, put it over the threshold of her foyer, somewhere where I would walk under every day. And then as soon as I outgrew that stick, she says, that's the reason I became healthy and and grew and ate good and wasn't sickly anymore. So, I mean, already you know just in the culture just with what's been passed down you know we call it granny witching oh yeah it's what, family from western north carolina has got several people yeah in the I'm, family from, tree. I'm from haywood county north carolina um yeah it's western north carolina and um you know we, i i have a lot of people in my family that uh practice what you would consider a cult um practices and, and of course i think i think i listened to one of your episodes where you guys were talking about these people are they are christian but they also dabble in 
they dabble in the supernatural. They dabble in ritual. They dabble in the occult. And I've had people in my family that did that. I do that. Um, I had a great aunt that was famous in our area for being a healer. And she did some pretty supernatural stuff that couldn't be explained. So I'm very familiar with that and familiar with how that affects you growing up and how that changes your perspective and molds your perspective coming about. Yeah. But growing up, and let me just ask you, did you think anything about it growing up or was that just normal? No. No. And when my, when my, when my grandpa would talk about, um, talk, like he had, he had seen my grandpa was a bad guy for a long time. Um, and the devil came to him, um, and he kind of changed his life after that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, he, and it's stuff like that. Like you, you've, you've convened with the devil before. And I've had many people in my family who would convened with the devil before and seen apparitions and talked to dead people. And, um, connected with dead people. And, but it was just, it was just another thing. My mom does divination. Um, but she just does, you know, you don't really think about it. You don't really think about it. It's like, cause it's always just been there. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I grew up. And, you know, that's what we talk about on here. You don't think anything about it until you get older and you get this, you know, this worldview, this perspective, and you start, you know, coming across all this stuff and you're like, Whoa, Whoa, wait a minute. This is all normal. (laughs) This is all really witchy. This is super, super witchy. But you know, it's just like you're talking about. I talked to a lady and an older lady. I call her our our local granny witch. You know, so she's known as is as being a healer and uh, you know, being able to buy warts and and blow out fire and cure thrush by breathing on you and you know, all this different stuff. And uh that's what she talks about is she said, you know, growing up, she would always interacts with these what she calls faceless holler haints and they were always trying to offer something they were always trying to strike a deal and you know you hear like if i heard somebody in the realm that we're in you know that is is constantly taking in this kind of this flow of content and they said something like that i mean i believe most things but you would hear that and be like Okay, you know, maybe somebody's, you know, kicking back the sauce a little too much. But you hear an 85 year old woman that don't miss a a service on Sunday Mm -hmm. or Wednesday or Sunday evening for that matter. When you hear somebody like her that has no reason in the world to 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 exaggerate or. You know, expand on something that's not the truth. You hear her saying these things and it you sit and think about it and you're like, you know what? These fictional podcasts out there like Old Gods of Appalachia, I don't think they're that far off. Oh no, I man. Know. I mean, we're I'm from up near West Virginia, you know, like Shenandoah Valley, Blue Ridge Mountains and all that. And part of my family was from like a little town and little coal mine town in West Virginia that's not even on the map anymore, just because coal mines shut down. But you'd go into that area and you know, I'm not that old, man. It wasn't that long ago. And there were still areas where you would go into and the people just didn't sound right because nobody has moved in or out of that area in three or four generations. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can just tell by how they sound that they're from that particular holler Mm -hmm. and they do weird stuff down there. Everybody knows, do you know what I'm saying? And it's just, there's, you know, like you said, the granny witches, there's always, every family's got somebody in there that dabbles in healing or like charms or anything like that. But then there's the the darker side of it too. I remember my 
when we were going, my grandmother was taking me back up to the town where she had come from. Uh, so we're going from Virginia to West Virginia. And I'm just some like smart mouth. I think I was like 15 or something like that. And she warned me going up. She was going, listen, you know, you, you've got a mouth on you. You know, old feuds run real deep up here. And there's people up here that can, you know, ruin your life with a glance, basically. Just keep your mouth shut. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. And just leave it at that, you know, and just keep quiet till we get out of here. And that's exactly what I did, man, because you got up there. Like I said, I mean, that's where I saw my first snake handling church at and everything. And unless you've unless you're from this part of the country, you know, somebody, you know, sitting in Los Angeles, and that's where you've lived at your own life. That just seems that seems more impossible than Bigfoot. But it's real. It happens. All three of us have, have experienced that sort of stuff in our lives, man. So, yeah, well, we say a lot. It's old magic that lays oh, yeah. in these hills. Oh, yeah. It's old magic and it works for whatever reason. I mean, you can you can be a skeptic and you can sit back and you can think, oh, the, you know, this is a bunch of hooey. But I mean, the three of us, we've we've seen it. We've witnessed it. We've you know, it, it works. However, I can't tell you for certain. I don't know where the power exactly comes from, but all I know is, is it works and it's crazy. Oh, yeah. And that's where we kind of operate with all this weird and y'all have hit on every bit of that tonight. So before we jump off here, I think we've been going about a couple hours and I appreciate yeah. you guys so much for your time. I just now realized what time it was <laughs> before we jump off here. What does the future look like for Hellbent Holler? Well, um, we are going to keep hammering. Um, I've been releasing videos weekly now, so um, pretty consistent with that. We go out every few days. We go out. We just keep going and keep keep hitting the woods. That's all we can do is just keep hammering, keep getting better and better, building our skill sets um, and just keep improving and see if we can capture something, keep getting new equipment. Um, we just keep getting better and better and better at what we do. And hopefully that's going to pay off with some more great evidence because that's how we get our evidence is we're actually out there actually doing it. Yeah. We're going to probably in the short term focus on South Carolina, just because again, we're yeah. getting so many reports from right here. And it's so weird because we've not gotten to those in the past, but right now it's just a constant flow of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, like Jesse mentioned, we're tech heavy. I don't think that a lot of this phenomena can be explained through scientific methods, but I think that scientific methods can sometimes give us little hints, you know, mm -hmm. of what's going on and maybe we see some, see some patterns. So we've got some ideas on some stuff we want to try as far as some new instrumentation that we want to try to get into the field. Um, like you said, we're just two of us. We're self-funded. So, you know, it's all this doesn't happen overnight. You know, we got to plan it, save back for it. A lot of the stuff we use is either built purposely for us or we repurpose it. Yeah. So uh, we've got some tech stuff going on. Uh, once we get through with South Carolina, when we get a break into it, uh, there's a couple spots that we want to hit in this region. Uh, Corpsewood Manor down in Georgia, which is a crazy story if you're not familiar with it. Um, yeah. Back into the LBL probably sometime in the fall or winter. Mm -hmm. uh, once the tick population decreases a little bit, we'll be getting back into that. And then, um, yeah, like I said, it's it's hard to say because, like we said, we're going where the universe takes us at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, if I could see into the future of what we're doing a month from now, I don't know, man. We could be out looking for lake monsters at that point. Oh, you we're know? not looking for lake monsters. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> um, I do have an event coming up. Uh, we are going to be at the Tennessee Wildman and Cryptid Con in Montgomeryville State Park. 
That is about an hour west of Nashville. Um, that's going to be October 14th and 15th. Uh, I'll be speaking at that. Ron Moorhead is going to be there. Scott Carpenter is going to be there. Our friend Martin Groves, uh, he'll be there with us as well. It's going to be an interesting time because you've got kind of the weirdos of yeah. uh, cryptozoology and Bigfootery kind of all there all together at once. So it's going to be a good time. So if any of your listeners want to come out to that, we'll be at that. Yeah, we don't do a lot of these, but this one, the... Really? The guest list was too enticing for us to like yeah. say no. At I had that an point, oppor- so, yeah. if I have an opportunity to be on the same bill as Ron Moorhead, I'm taking it. Um, mm. Ron Moorhead has been such an influence on everything I've ever done, and he's mm-hmm. he's just a, what a gem that man yeah. is. Um, so I'll I'll be speaking at that. That's the only event we have scheduled. Yeah, we don't in do terms a lot of, of those. Like an event. Yeah. Just for the time time's sake, uh, like <laughs> I said, this the field investigations take up so much time. We just go out in the yeah. woods all the yeah. time. So, okay. but for that one, the the guest list was was too enticing for us to turn down at yeah, that point. So, yeah, for sure. Well, we're looking at maybe trying to do an outdoor conference within the next year, two possibly. Mm-hmm. So, and we're doing it in an area where there's a whole lot of weird stuff that happens. So, whenever that comes up, just so you guys can still be investigating while you're there. We'll invite y'all out for that one too. Hey, that way, maybe yeah. one of you can be in the woods with the cameras rolling while one's on the stage doing the speaking. That way, we don't have to. <laughs> there you go. So. <laughs> split time. Well, you know, one of the things that we've done in the past is we uh, there was a conference we used to do that we would actually do research and investigation seminars like the night before, kind of take people through how. Because a lot of people, we use a lot of the stuff that they see on TV. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have never really used like a thermal imager, and they've never seen a parabolic dish. You know. We had uh, we had some infrasound detection equipment special built for us that we they deployed that nobody's ever really seen before. So it's kind of cool for people to sometimes kind of look at it and go, okay, that's just not some fantasy thing on TV. There's actually people out using some of this stuff yeah, trying to done, legit get answers. We've done stuff. live demonstrations and then, you know, kind of let people get a little bit of a hands-on. Um, I've done an equipment seminars where I kind of get people kind of go through the basics of going out and doing this kind of research. Cause I think out of anybody doing this, I think we're, we're the ones that are out there a lot. Yeah. And we're and, very encouraging for other people to do it. Yeah. I mean, we're always, we like, answer everybody's questions. Yeah. So we, just, we would love to see more people getting involved with this end of it. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that always got on my nerves was that everybody wanted to act like they were in like some secret little club, you know, um, <laughs> or had, you know, hit, had hidden knowledge. Yeah. You know, had this hidden knowledge and we're the exact opposite, man. I mean, if we, if we had more people out here doing this, it's going to move the needle. And if you want to take a different approach than us, mm-hmm. um, if, Go for if, it. <laughs> if you want to be completely woo, if you want to be completely scientific, if you want to do whatever, the more people and the more approaches we have, the better. So we, anything we can ever do to get like people like, you know, out in the woods, out in the woods doing it, we're, we're all for it. Yeah, so. for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah. And, um, you know, if you want to check out all of our videos and we've, we've mentioned a lot of the stuff that we've captured, a lot of the evidence evidence we've captured on the show. Um, from footprints to portals to dogman images. Um, it's a lot of, it runs the gamut, I guess. Yeah. It runs the gamut of what we've gathered just being out there and being in the woods. We're on YouTube um, at Hellbent Holler. We just uh, surpassed 10,000 subscribers. So that was a big, um, yeah. that was a Congratulations. Big, uh, big thing for us. We were very happy about that. Um, we do a live show every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And that's kind of just a hangout for us and our our viewers, you know, and that's a lot of fun. We joke a lot on there. It's a lot of fun. 
and um, I'm putting videos out weekly and it's just, you know, just keep hammering. That's basically where we're at with it. Well, listen, Hill folk, definitely go over, check out their YouTube channel for sure. Subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you're not missing anything. Whenever something drops, you're notified, you're there right off the rip to check out whatever evidence they're capturing that day, because there's not very often that they're not capturing something, something weird, something that's going to make your skin start tingling. But also go check out Dark Dive, their podcast version of some of the stuff that they're doing. There's a few episodes on there, so you can check most of it out in a couple of days time. But that's a side of it that I really, really, really enjoy because you get to hear them talk about these certain topics and postulate theories on these different things. And they're great researchers, great researchers. I learned more about Jack Parsons today than I, I ever love have. Jack Parsons. Can Dude. you tell? <laughs> I, I, have I a, thought I, have I knew. I have a necklace on right now. It's, um, uh, per per aspra ad astra and it's through difficulties to the stars that's what uh jack parsons would say before every launch um uh, and so i have the sterling silver and gold necklace that i wear all the time um i i'm obsessed with jack parsons and i i i have a weird like kinship with him even though he's crazy <laughs> um but yeah if you're interested in jack parsons yeah there's a lot there's a lot to that and there's so much we didn't cover in that diabolical hypothesis episode. We haven't done a dark dive in a long time, but we're going to try to get back into doing those because they were a lot of fun and everybody really enjoyed them. Um, but yeah, check out those dark dive episodes. Those are, those are pretty good. Well, here's a quick little nugget. And I'm not saying by any means that I know more about Jack Parsons than you do, because I definitely did not. But did you know that he invested and his name is on a couple deeds in coal mining operations in his time in Southern West Virginia and East Kentucky. I did not know that. No, oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Sure did. Hmm. And obviously Who owns those mines nowadays, I wonder, I think they, they're all shut down now. It's the best that I can tell. Um, now, could he could he have invested in those not just for the uh, financial gain or as an investment, we would say, but as he was looking for something? Possibly. That's that's what I theorize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one yeah. of the one of the running theories that we had not to get into another hour, but one of the running <laughs> theories that we have here. Is at one point at, at some point in our ancient history that some old gods were imprisoned in these mm -hmm. Appalachian mountains. And as time passed and weathering and erosion happened, some of these imprisonments, some of these shackles began to fall off. And as communication started, amongst maybe some certain bloodlines or some certain really gifted people, i.e. Jack Parsons. Mm -hmm. These things started reaching out and saying, hey, come dig us out. Come get us fully out. So then you have certain bloodlines start the coal mining industry, start the railroad industry, start literally drilling into the hearts of these mountain prisons 
and releasing these entities in full effect. That's one of the and theories we run. AI, there needs to be an AI helmet holler crossover episode just on Jack Parsons and the Appalachian cryptozoology aspect of it right now. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's crazy. So, Hey, I'm down. I am down. Anytime you guys want to do it, we'll make it happen for sure. <laughs> but anyway, he'll folk check out, make sure you go check out all their stuff, like subscribe, give them the five-star ratings and reviews flock to them, show them that, Appalachian hospitality, show them love just like you show us love. These are our people. They're our weirdos. We, uh, this is what we do. This is what we do. We love the people that, that are in there with boots on the ground and finding out all the stuff that we sit around and hear stories about and talk about. So make sure that you flock to them. Jesse, Joe, I appreciate your guys' time so much. This has been a great conversation. And we'll definitely have to get to this crossover episode pretty soon. Absolutely. Yeah. We Thank had a you. ball, man. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, he'll fault. You know where to find us, all the socials and show notes. Be sure to leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Go check out. Uh, make sure you get your tickets to 40 and Airwaves, Ultimate Podcasting Conference. Again, that uh, limited availability. There's only 200 tickets. So be sure to jump in, get those quickly. The link tree with all that information will be listed in the show notes. Go uh, be sure to do that. Send us your stories, experiences, research you're diving into, whatever, at AppalachianIntelligence at gmail.com. But most importantly, the biggest way that you can support us in anything, obviously, financially, you can go check out our Patreon or you can click the support the show link. But most importantly, share the show. Share the show however you're most comfortable sharing it. That's the only way the show grows. And you guys have been doing a great job, and we appreciate you for that. We love you. We appreciate you. And until next time, we'll see y'all later. 